And all the people who most of them ended up being in that high roller crew were kind of pre-selected by Fedor. And he's just a super smart guy and he just knows how to surround himself with the people that are needed in such a group. It's kind of, it's not just that it's a group that met and worked together, it's just a, a kind of selected group that fits well together and works together. Hi, and welcome to my podcast. I'm Ranchux, and this episode with Stefan Sonheimer was first published on YouTube in March. By popular demand, we are now bringing it to you here in audio. This episode is one of the most viewed and has received a lot of feedback from the viewers, so I'm happy that we are finally bringing it here to you. This conversation was recorded live on Twitch and it also features my good friend Toby. We did many of the early episodes together with Toby, so if you've missed those, check them out on YouTube. There's plenty of useful stuff there. And now, enjoy our conversation with Stefan and Toby. All right, then we're live. So, hi everyone. We've got Stefan as a guest today. Super excited about that. And Toby's joining us. And I'll let Toby do the introduction. So, go ahead, Toby. So, hello, first of all, and thank you for watching. And uh, today's guest <laughs> is a Zoom grinder, a high stakes legend. Negriano called him the best no limit uh, Holden player in the world. And He's also a streamer. He crushed the high stakes poker world. He won the purple jacket and he is also a good football player. Let's welcome all Stefan Sontheimer. Cheers, thank you. And the good football players, I'm not sure about that, but I'll try my best. I mean, <laughs> we won the world championship in Vegas together. That's true. Almost two times in a row, but. So uh, would you say that is your biggest achievement? Um, yeah, I think, I'm not sure whether it is still in my Twitter handle, but it says like European champion, world champion, and this is obviously referring to our, our cup. So um, unfortunately there was never a cup for me. Who has the cup? It was in your flat in, in London. Oh yeah, I think we still have it. But I also think that uh, Rainer Campi got the, the, the beast, beast of, of the, the tournament, tournament award. Yeah. The, which is like standing for zero goals and zero assists in one tournament, pretty much. Yeah, but defense is also important. That's true. That's true. All right. And guys, by the way, I want to give some background information here. Uh, why is Toby doing the intro? Because Toby is sitting right next to Stefan right now. Okay, he's hiding a little there. <laughs> that's, that's the thing. It's going to be the funniest ever uh, podcast that we have because, you know, we're getting closer to a point where we have like live interact, like a real in-person, person-to-person interaction with our guests. Uh, so, you know, Toby is still off camera, but he's very, very close. <laughs> it's like he's, he's the, the Isildur one of the podcasts, right? One day he might he might show his face, but he's just so shy. Yeah. I might or I might not. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The man, the mystery. All right, guys. So let's let's go ahead and let's talk. There's so many things to talk actually about because like I don't even know where to start. You know, so many inter interesting topics. Like I think the whole experience that you have in the high roller scene so fascinating. So many people are probably really curious to find out like how it is to travel the world to play these these crazy games to meet all the 
biggest names in in the world of poker, right? Because you've pretty much known the, know them all. You know, your your buddies with Phil Helmuth, who is just uh, <laughs> you know the face of poker. We had a nice phone world. call on stream, the two of us. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, one of my best buddies in the poker world. All right, so yeah, I think that aspect is just so fascinating to a lot of people. The aspect that is also super fascinating is the fact that you are very successful in tournaments, you're very successful in cash game, right? Which is um, quite a combination. You know, you, you, you manage to, to sort of cover a lot of fields in, in the game of poker. So that's super interesting. Definitely want to talk about that. We're going to talk about your super supernova elite years, because that's something I did myself as well one year. I think you did two years, right? I did two, yeah, that's two true. Two years, so two two times more than I did, but uh, there's <laughs> definitely something interesting to, to talk about there, because... Uh, I, I cheated the second year, uh, like VPP-wise, and added some sit and goes. That does not really count as an achievement, you know, so yeah. let's make it one, one real year of cash, uh, Supernova Elite. All right, well, then we're one for one. That's, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> we can talk about the real year. Although, you know, I sort of cheated because I did it in PLO. You did it in Oh, that's true. That's that's so a lot that's, of cheating in there. That, yeah, that's that's much easier. It's like to, paying so much rake at the same time. You know, it's it's insane. It's not okay. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I want to talk about that later. You know, because with the with the idea in mind that you know, at least to me, this was one of my most important years because it formed my approach on how to handle the whole thing more professionally. You know, developing your work ethics, developing your routines, developing the way you handle the swings, you know, all, all these things. So I want to touch upon that later. And uh, and probably some stories from, you know, Phil Helmuth. <laughs> That's going to be fun. <laughs> so let's, let's go. Um, let's start maybe with uh, what are you up to right now, actually, right? Because... Uh, are you still traveling as much as you used to? Are you traveling less? Like, what are you up to nowadays? Well, uh, actually, like the first story that comes to mind um, is, well, the answer, first of all, is, is, is no. Uh, the first story that comes up to mind is um, someone was asking for me, and I was like sure that they all know about it, it was in Australia. And... Um, and someone I still had like financial stuff to, to do with. I was like, yeah, just check out this these guys and, and talk to them. And um, and I think it was Adrian Mateos then then telling um, telling this guy, um, hey, Stefan disappeared. I have no clue. Which is like I guess lots of people kind of following the the live tournaments. They they kind of got the feeling that I disappeared, which is somewhat true. Uh, I would just just more say it's it was like a yeah priorities shifted a little and um i was just not over it but it's like i just realized that overall this is not my world i'm de I, I definitely am or was in the state that i just could play all of those um and and like many of the american crew and those guys do but it's it's not i i realized that it's not really what i what i enjoy and so um yeah, I decided to, to go another way, like a, a little back, and I, I changed back to playing cash. Um, I moved back to Germany. Um, I'm sitting here in, in this nice flat right now, and I'm grinding like daytime, so you haven't seen me during like night too often. I'm grinding in the mornings and the afternoons. It's not the best time for poker, but it's the best time for like doing what I still like doing, 
while having the life uh, or while living the life the way I want to live it. So um, that's pretty much what changed. Yeah. Right. Right. So wh why did you come to a decision that, you know, let's let's stop the travel? I mean, first of all, you because you said you realized it's not really your scene. So what is what are the aspects that you sort of got fed up with? Um, well, I'm usually I, I like to make everything look easy, kind of. Um, and it's like a mixture of things like uh, people that know me well know that I like I prefer to be at like what I call my real home with my friends there where I'm still sometimes playing like the, the local soccer uh, soccer club. I have my, my well, friends and family there. Um, I like being there then. Um, well, it's always involved like that. I, I have my girlfriend, you know, so so girls change change lives a little. Um, and she's living like one hour away from my home, hometown. And it was just like, and plus the traveling, plus the staying and grinding in Vienna was just too much back and forth for me. So this is just draining, just like takes the energy out of it that it was not like, it was not easy in the end and I needed to change something. And uh, I had several options, right? To, to just like go full-time travel and somehow make it happen and like, not be at home that often or just like find another way and then i was like yeah what does it give me on the one hand and what do i need to like uh, let go on the other and um yeah i clearly found out that like okay financially probably it makes the most sense to keep grinding those those high rollers um but it's not really the the world where i feel like like i'm not the I don't know. I, I remember always like small stories right now. I, I remember that one talk with Nick Petrangelo. Uh, we were drunk after a hockey game, after having a gazillion beers. And like one of those man's talks where you're sitting on a bar just having the 21st beer. And um, and he was like, Stefan, I, I really want to do that for the rest of my life. I enjoy it so much. Uh, just like traveling and be free and play a card game. And I'm like, well, I feel more like I would like to do something normal more or less i like the freedom for sure and the traveling don't get me wrong the traveling was all great but it's not what i want to do day in day out um and yeah so this was not really for me so i i just started changing things a little right right do you think like uh, you only need a year or so off or do you think that's a decision forever um like for taking a break and not playing those tournaments. Um, I'm 100% sure that there will be the point where I feel like like reading the news. I'm obviously following the stuff, lots of friends involved, where I'm like, ah, that would be great to be there right now. But like taking on that life perspective, I think this is a thing that is just, which you, you realize over time, just like the way you are. And I'm like, I've always been that way. It's not not being said that, that I, won't ever change but um that's just yeah i've been like that the last 29 years and so i just have to expect that i just feel that that strong i don't know how to call it like that like that hometown pulling me back every now and then yeah i think it's super fascinating because for a lot of players it's just the main goal it's like to make it to the top to play that high stakes to play the super rollers and then you know you are just like nah i don't want to do that anymore um, yeah it's i mean it's i i talked about the part like with the other priorities in life and um 
and that it's just like that it's draining it costs you so much energy and you cannot do it the way i did it for like super long that's at least i couldn't do it so you need to take other parts away um and then it's it's a question of priorities what is how important for you there's obviously the money making side of it which is well you need money to live and well more money for most people is better so it's like uh but for me, it's like I'm I'm not that that guy who needs to live in like the biggest baller houses to drive the biggest baller cars and like this is not what is the most important for me. Uh, saying that is obviously easy when you're kind of ha- have like kind of a um, yeah some money that you're sitting on. That's that's like makes it easier obviously that that priorities even with that reason just like shift over time when you've had some success when you made some money that it's right now it's not that important for me. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to say because you know the, this apartment here is also super nice. It's, it's not like you're poor, and even a Zoom grinder, Zoom 500 grinder, is also somebody who's rich, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's it's a super good income. But for me, it's more about the the whole decision going back to Germany. Like in Vienna, poker is tax free. Here, I will pay for the year that I'm grinding right now. 40, 45, I don't even know, plus, 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 where it's like, it's a clear decision. Like, okay, this is not so important for you and you're giving up on something that you would have if you changed your lifestyle or you keep the lifestyle you had, uh, but you're giving up on something else. And that's like, one of the things I, I always told me, even in the beginning of my career, I never wanna have, I never wanna have that, like on the one side, there's the, the real life and on the other side is, is poker life like I mean it was at the beginning like a video game and I never wanted the video game to be the number one like it was always when my friends meet up somewhere and even when I have two big whales on the table but in reality I have time it's always real life first and this was like coming was like the same decision just like way bigger um yeah Mm, interesting and it also shows like you know i think that story about uh, your conversation with the nick while you both drunk on beers you know it's uh, such a great story because it goes to show that for some people you know they're in a stage of their life when there's nothing better right and i mean if we think about nick i mean this guy's crazy he's traveling like 300 days a year or something yeah. like that right so and he enjoys it it's his thing right but uh there's not many people out there who who love it like myself i i used to travel i mean only cash games right i i don't play tournaments but um i would be traveling like some of the years it was six months a year uh and at some point you realize okay it's enough it's super nice but uh, as you said, at some point you want to have a normal life, a normal stable routine that you know you, you wake up in your own home and you have your normal life and you start playing perhaps in the morning, which is not the best time. But fuck it, because by 5 p.m. You're, you're done, you have your dinner, you have your life, you meet your friends uh, and the whole thing is more enjoyable. Absolutely. I, I would encourage everyone to find out for, for himself. Um, like I have one other example in mind right now who, who kind of, who had another approach, like leading to the same thing. Um, Stevie, Stephen Chitwick, for example, he, um, I mean, we know his, his great wife, uh, uh, Marine, they got their, their child. Now he pretty much, he did not, I, he probably took priority number one 
is is poker. This is what he wanted to do: travel and live that lifestyle for the rest of his life. And he found a way to to like have his whole family life with his wife and his his uh, um, child right now, um, just like making it happen, which is which works out. In that, I mean, like when money for him is not the biggest issue, I guess. So, and it's about living the life you want to live and not like, like in the early twenties or like you drop out of, or not drop out of school, but you finish school uh, with 18 and like the only thing you have in mind is kind of when being in that poker world is maximizing money, playing the highest stakes. And that's like the shift that I realized. Mm. I see a funny comment in the chat. Tiny Nigel is saying that poker players want to have nine to five routine, and people who work nine to five want to have poker freedom. Isn't it sick? <laughs> it's it's like I mean I don't want to have nine to five. I want to have the freedom to do what whatever. Um, but I prefer to not like for me, especially tournament players. They are kind of stuck in a nine to five that is worse than nine to five because they have to play during the nights. Mm -hmm. But this is the worst for me. Start at 6 p.m. and grind into the morning. This is way worse. I, I want to wake up. Like my biggest freedom that I have is never setting an alarm clock. Like that's just, this is incredible. Like uh, I have to talk with my girlfriend every now and then. And she's like, yeah, but I have to get up this early. And I'm like, yeah, but you go to bed earlier. And in the end, we kind of work the same hours or if she's not listening right now, I'm probably working more. I'm sure. That. Um, <laughs> we'll make sure that she hears First that. of all, I enjoy working most of the time. And the other thing is I don't have to, there's not that pressure, right? This morning I got up, I like first move, I, like I get up at some point, I look at the, at the, at the clock. It's like, I don't know. It was uh, 10 something, which is totally reasonable because I played until two 30 last night uh, because I just felt like it. And there's, there's no pressure. I have no like boss who tells me I have to be there at eight or at something. And I can, oh, actually I, I went working before taking a shower. This is kind of freedom too, because then I play for one hour. I, I, I let the solvers do their job. And then I, I use that time that I have to wait anyways, uh, to like, to take a shower and drink the first coffee. That's like, for me, this is different than a nine to five job. It's just working during daytime or living during daytime. And uh, you mentioned it, I guess, before. It's just that feeling. You can spend the afternoon with your friends or you can go to like whichever sports you like at seven with all the other normal people. And this is just what, what I like so much. And um, yeah, it just gives me a better, better life overall. I hope at least. So is it also because you enjoy playing online more? Um, it's like the, the, how much I enjoy it is, is kind of in waves, you know what I mean? Oh, okay. Like we'll talk about that supernova elite year later, but there I was totally over it, right? Because it was kind of a job. I was chasing a goal. I needed to play no matter the weather outside, no matter down or upswing, uh, no matter whatever. And, um, yeah, it's, it's like right now I'm enjoying it. Um, it's, it's kind of challenging. I know I'm not at the top of the cash game world right now, but I, I kind of got the thrill for it again and I'm working hard and I'm, I'm doing fine. Um, and back then I remembered I was so over it and like that, wow, hmm, my friends are playing those life high rollers and they are not really better than me. And, um, let's just jump in there. And then it was like this, wow, we're flying to the Bahamas or anything. And it's like insane. And 
not that I left the hotel there too much, but it still feels different. And it's like you've been somewhere and that shifted back again, especially in the end, 2018, I was not, I was not cashing anything pretty much un until November. And I was, I was grinding all of it and it was kind of in, in, in a downswing, I, I guess, but um, it was obviously all fine. But I, I, I had that feeling when talking to my non-poker friends, especially, and I'm like, oh fuck, I really, I don't want to go. Like I have to go to Vegas tomorrow again. And it's like that, that view in their face that tells you that something is wrong, right? You shouldn't be pissed about flying to the Bahamas or flying to Vegas the next day. And I was like one, one other part that I realized was like the WSOP, I always went there, uh, made it two parts and flew back home in between. I couldn't do the six, seven weeks straight. Um, so I took like two, two weeks off in between. It was fine for me to fly back to Euro Europe. And um, I remember that one talk I had with a friend there and um, and she was like, hey, you can go wherever you want. Like, what, what do you plan? Where's your next vacation? Where do you go? Thailand, Australia, whatever. And I'm just like showing her here. This is my vacation right now, like not going anywhere. And this is just like, but this is what, what uh, the guy in the chat said, like you always want to kind of have what you, what you don't have a little. Um, and mm -hmm. that it's, for me, it's about the mix, just like, being aware of that and just like really designing your life in a way that just it gives you the most. Mm, absolutely. And plus, you know, it's important what you've mentioned that it's not really like the routine is not what you seek. It's more the freedom to actually do what you want to do, right? When you have yeah. to travel with the high roller scene, there is not much freedom, really. You have a stop, you need to make it. So you buy the tickets, you go there, then, uh, and let's face it, you play the tournaments in the high roller scene. So you make day two, well, you have to be there, you, you play the whole day, you have to be there, you have your little breaks once in a while, you know, it's a bit it's tough. Pretty when much the, it's so much because in those high rollers, there's other people investing in you, etc. So it's, it's, it's a lot, it's, it's just, you're not just responsible for yourself. Um, at least this is what the feeling I had and like skipping the best tournaments of the year is just kind of a no-go, which gave me some pressure. Um, like one thing was like, oh, like even that, that the way I talk, it's obviously a great thing to be part of that whole show, but think, thinking in a way of, oh, I have to be in Vegas end of May already because there is super high roller bowl, which is, or was always the by far best tournament, rake free guaranteed recreational players, etc., And at the end of the series, mid of July, there is the main event and I don't know, the hundred K in the Rio where it's like, oh wait, I have to be there. I have really that, that feel, I, I must be there end of May and again, end of July. And how do I fit that in my schedule? Like it's, it's European summer is the best time of the year. And there's like every second year there is Euros or the World Cup. So it's like, ah, it does not fit in there. And that was, it, it's so stupid, but it's like some pressure it gives you because skipping is not an option. Right. So uh, do, do you also feel more pressure while playing when you have investors? Mm. Is it also important to you? Because, you know, online, if you just use your own bankroll, it's just different. No, not really. Um, like, I mean, this is just, the case because the main investors I had and you know them are just like the most relaxed people in the world. 
it gives you a different feeling being on stream a little. Um, but I liked it always um, because I feel like I'm, I'm even more focused a little. Um, but yeah, it's just, I think for others, it might give you pressure, but it's, it's more that, yeah, what do people think, like people in general in that world think about you, why could you ever skip this one? This is what I was talking about before that. I think it's the pressure you make yourself. Like no one would ever talk like that. Like, why did he skip Super Hero Bowl? And if I tell them I want to be at home because it's the best time of the year, like, so what? But it's like yeah. still in, in, inside. Yeah, I, I know the feeling also sometimes you just don't know before, you know, you have to uh, travel to another country, like all around the globe, and then the tournament isn't even that great. So you yeah. never really know before. Yeah, like the one moment that kind of really pissed me off was um, when they postponed the or like had, yeah, they changed the time of the Super Hero Bowl from May to December. And it was uh, Super Hero Bowl was always the big thing in the year. Like I remember they are the first one that, that Reiner and Fedor uh, like got first and second. That was the first time I've been there around. The second year I played and won it. Was it Christoph in 17 or 18? Oh, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, I think 17. Uh, and, but it was like always great stories around. And like I remember uh, we were in Australia when they had that lottery for who gets in the Super High Roller Bowl. And it was like a weird time zone. And I remember we were all staying in like a house and Cora knocked at, at my door. And I think Stefan Schilhabel was in there. And we all watched then the, the lottery to get in because this is like the insane value to get into that tournament. And it was like, you got thrilled about it. And um, then, yeah, most of us got in and it was like, it was great. And then there was December 2017, I guess, where they made another Super High Roller Bowl, the second in the year. Um, they were like capping it at 42 or 48 seats and they didn't give us any information at all. There was a lottery and that got postponed without even telling us. They all have our emails, they have my phone number, everything. And it's like, I mean, it's about a 30K deposit that's non-refundable. It's a 300K tournament. I mean, there's it should be a serious business. And it, I just had the feeling that they wanted to fuck up the non-Vegas players. And I mean, I'm not like jetting around and, and, and have my private jet to fly everywhere. I want to book flights like at least one or two weeks in advance or even further like normal people do um, on the one hand to save money and on the other hand to get the flight. And it was it was Christmas time in Vegas and they couldn't tell me until like one week before whether that tournament takes place. And the whole thing was that they only had like 34 comp like players signing up. There was no need for lottery, et cetera, et cetera. They could have just told me, hey, you're safe in, it's not enough people, you can book your stuff, you can plan your Christmas. I mean, for me, it's a thing being home at Christmas or not um, and plan that, getting home on the 21st or 22nd or whatever. And this is where they really like showed me that they have no, like they don't value you as a customer. It's like they see you as someone who is around, who makes money with it. And um, yeah, so the, this is where I really realized this is not the, the kind of business I want to be. Not, I mean, part of this is the wrong thing, but where it's just like, I don't enjoy it. Let's take it that way. Mm. Yeah, especially that uncertainty. With It's already hard enough to have to plan, plan all the travels and arrange your life around that. And if you don't even know, 
when you show up that there's actually going to be the game, that really sucks. Yeah, it's, it's fine when the game is your life, but it's not fine when it's just your job and you want to live a normal life next to the game. Mm -hmm, exactly. And Tiny Nigel is, is asking basically something along the lines that, so where's this pressure coming from? Because you're saying, you know, if you are in the scene, if you're actively playing the high rollers, or in general, if you're actively playing the live tournaments, you sort of feel that you have to travel there. You have to go there. You have to do this. Uh, obviously, there's no external pressure. There's no boss over your shoulder saying, hey, Stefan, pack your bags. We're sending you there. So it's your decision. But... Um, where does this pressure coming from? How, why do you why do you have this approach? Um, it's two things. Like first of all, everyone who gets to that point is just super competitive. So you kind of you, you don't want to travel, but you want to be in there. Like what hurts the most is not going there, and then reading poker news and and reading the winner, and it's then it's not one of your friends, but another one, and it's like. Fuck it, right? Just like, it's just random variance, but you're pissed, or I'm at least. Mm -hmm. um, and the second thing is what I, what I said before, you're not playing with your own money there. It's even when like your personal investors, whatever, uh, are super relaxed, it's the rates, who, who gets how much markup, who or who is seen as like, who he's one of the best, or another one is not one of the best. The, the, the whole, this whole poker world kind of makes the price for you not showing up decreases clearly your value. This is just, this is not logical too much. It, it might help you actually staying at home and study, but it's just, people are like that. And if you haven't won anything for like six months or 10 months, you, you get downgraded in like your rating pretty much. So mm -hmm. this is something, if you see it as your job, that it, that's the pressure you make yourself, right? You don't wanna decrease your value or anything. Mm -hmm. So, and as well, I mean, you want to do your job as well. If, if you decide I'm like full-time live tournament pro, then you kind of feel the need of, of going somewhere. It's not like I'm a poker pro, but I want to be the best. And then I play the highest stakes cash. I play the highest tournaments and I do this and that on the side. Um, I mean, to be really good in something, you should focus at least a little on one thing, mm. which Absolutely. is like, I have the most respect for, for those people that, um, that figure out that have been on the top in some discipline, but now figure out that they are not anymore. And you see great players on like mid stakes. And um, I, I hope to to like be like non biased in that area too. And like I'm 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 great. I'm, I played I don't know the last three months of two. 19 i played like 300k hands cash mid stake just to kind of show myself how good i am like um or or not and and realizing that there are i know there are clearly players that are better and i found out well that i'm actually doing okay in like those lineups but i, I would not, never just because i could play financially or whatever those stakes I would never see myself there, right? It's it's like it's the work that's that gets you there, and, and the and the well respect for the game you need, uh, and yeah. So it's mm -hmm. kind of coming back to that point. If it's your job, you kind of want to stick to it as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and I want to come back to that point just in a second, but I want to first mention one thing, which uh, made me smile when you said, uh, you know, you you've grinded uh, like three hundred thousand hands uh, in mid stakes just to prove to yourself that you're still good and you're still still can do it you know and uh, which is awesome 
some people have a very different approach of proving the same thing to themselves and Phil Galfon comes to mind, you know? <laughs> I think your approach is probably the smarter way, you know, because, uh, well, anyway, that, that's just a side note. But uh, yeah, coming back to all that discussion of, uh, I, I'm also of the opinion, I mean, it's not like an opinion, it's a fact that if you actually want to achieve something in poker or anywhere else for that matter, on a very, very high level, you have to be absolutely dedicated to it, right? And the amount of studies you have to put in to be competitive at the highest uh, high roller uh, games and uh, you know high roller tournaments, it's an insane amount of work behind the scenes. So you're not gonna do this amount of work just to play like three tournaments a year. That would be really silly. So if you're doing that work, you might as well actually go and be present everywhere and obviously all the other factors that you mentioned that just because how the the market works you know you have a value as a player and you know you can't can't just sit out and uh, you know and hope that that value doesn't decrease because it will yeah it's like for me now going somewhere and like trying to play a high roller i mean my value is different since well i didn't play a live high roller for ever uh, and um well there are lots of people who just work on that just like the, the time i kind of stopped playing regularly was like the australians for example like uh, michael adamo kale burns Shout out to them, like we're doing a great job and running over to Michael Zhang, kind of, I count them in their crew as well. Like the, the, the crazy guys who are all in every second hand, it's like, well, they are just playing well, right? And, um, and, and, and that stuff. And like, obviously there's like, I can come back and like not think about anything and I, I can play an EPT main. I'm, I'm so arrogant to, to, to say that, right? But um, it's, it's like, I could, I mean, I could probably compete in like a soft high roller, but it's not like I'm I'm a top five where I rank myself at some point in time. So, mm -hmm. and I think also like what is very refreshing from all of this discussion is that you know how you try to be objective with the opinion about yourself. You know how you take the ego out of the equation, which I think something that brings a lot of people in trouble of not realizing that, you know what, just because I was top three doesn't mean I'm always going to be top three, right? And it's it's so important to always be objective with evaluating where you are. And of course, for you, it comes, at least to me from outside looking at that, is just because to get to the point where you got, which was super, super high up there in terms of, you know, best players in the world at, at that stage a few years ago, the work ethic that you had to get to that point is insane, right? The amount of work you did in, in the studies on working on your game. So you sort of know what it takes to be there. And you know that if you don't keep doing that, you're obviously falling behind the curve because there's other people who are doing that. Yeah, like I always, I never had that. Well, I, I always, I don't know. I got to hate on the Americans here right now. I don't know, but, uh, like they always, for me, just like my impression that most of them, they had that, I don't know, like when, when, when like being born, they have that natural confidence in them, which I felt like I never had. 
like the the really hey we are the best of the uh, the best in the world. This is like what they get taught in school, like pretty much all the time. So it's 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 maybe from there where it's just like the the I mean just a few characters in the in the poker world that I'm like having that impression obviously from. Uh, but I never had that where I'm like. I, I like same thing with the mistakes, right? I got to prove to my, like no clue how good I am because, and this feeling is coming from, from, okay, I, I know I'm, I'm kind of smart guy. Okay. There must be lots of other kind of smart guys out there in the world. And I know what I'm doing, but at the other hand, I know what, like how much more I could be doing. And I think there was like one Instagram or Twitter post from Jason Kuhn who ended like the, the whole whole thing he was talking about, like the you want to you want my spot, then work hard, etc. and try to get it. And um, and he, he ended those words with like there is um, there will always be like a smarter kid than you sitting somewhere in Belarus working harder and more than you referring to Mikita Badziakowski there. Mm -hmm. And um, I just I have that feeling in me like I I mean. I don't know. I just see like open sitting stars, high stakes, random Russian names. I don't know personally. I were I don't know random people from living in the UK, wherever they are from. And it's like, well, they are doing nothing else than grinding those cash games. And they, I mean, getting there, they are probably as smart as myself and or smarter. And I know how much more you could do than. I did the last X, X years and at least a couple of those must have done more. So they will be better. It's not like that equation, like that's not part of it that I'm just better than like others. Why? Like there must be a reason why you are better or not. So, um, mm. yeah. Yep. I think it's so interesting because, you know, in order to play the highest stakes, you need a kind of confidence and ego. But uh, on the other hand, you also need to be humble enough to uh, see when you're like outmatched or when you're not good enough anymore. That's and the tough part. I, think, I mean, for my story, I think it's, it's very, very clear that I like, I mean, we had our German crew, right? So there you got all parts, you got the, oh, they are all shit and I'm kind of overconfident or that's how I would take it. Um, uh, you got those people. We want to hear names. Fedor, right? I mean, he was like, yeah, they are all shit. We can beat them easily, right? Like we got to work hard, sure, but we, we beat them, they are shit. Like obviously, um, probably right at some point in time. Um, obviously people were playing shit in 2015 compared to nowadays. And it was easily, it was kind of easy to be better than them. And you have like those analytical guys like Dom putting everything like, he probably had a solver before a solver was out there. I don't know. Um, and, and he ran everything through there and he just, I don't know. He did, does a stupid move calling someone who always has it there. And like, he looks it up in the solver that this is a mixed call and his frequency was fine. And we look at him like, just shut the fuck up and fold. Right. Um, <laughs> we had that big mix and like, for my part, if, like especially the, the overconfident part of the group, if that didn't exist, I would have never played. It was like, I mean, Fedor is such a big part in me getting into those games because I was always like, even, I mean, he played for like one and a half, half years life only before I started playing. And he was like really not begging me, but like he was like telling us, come on guys, you need to play that. This is where the value is right now. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm like, 
crushing Zoom 500, okay, but this is not a 25K, right? That's $500 and I'm playing good 1K, 2K and maybe 5K tables as well. Yeah, I'm doing okay there and this is seen as like the best cash game in the world. Okay, but a tournament is different and I have no, I, I'm not sure whether I'm good enough and you're like, you gotta play, you gotta play, they are all shit, right? If, if this part did not exist, I would have never played a 25K plus. And, that's that's just for sure. Well, that's super interesting because you know you come across as a very confident guy, and uh, <laughs> that's just something I wouldn't have guessed. You know. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I think like there's things where I, I see that a lot of people think I would be confident, or I've heard arrogant as well, uh, in in some areas because I. I Often I don't have a clear opinion, but when I'm like really sticking to that and I'm sure that I'm right, which is like annoying for others. <laughs> but this one is like, I mean, there I'm pretty sh like same thing again. I'm pretty sure about what I think about all that is, is correct. I remember the first high roller pretty much I played or it started in 2016, January. I was in Australia. Was it where we met maybe? Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Um, and uh, a shout out to Mikkel Hub, maybe. <laughs> and um, you got to do his move. This is you got to you got to uh, you got to Google for uh, Mikkel Hub and uh, what's the uh, Samantha Abernathy. I think you can't find it anymore. You cannot find it anymore. Yeah. It was like insane not a slow roll plus suck out was like a good story <laughs> and that was our favorite clip around that time and i i was just there to play the main and fedor was playing like the 50k 100k 250k whatever they had there and um and he was like you gotta play that stuff and i'm like no come on like this is my first 10k just chill and then i went back to to brighton where i lived at that uh, at that time after not cashing the main obviously um, and it was like such a shitty weather and like I, it was one of my supernova elite years and I, I grinded there and I was so pissed. The weather was shit. I was running shit, etc. And then he was like, come on, let's fly. I'm, I'm in Miami next week. Why not coming there? There's like a super, super soft 25k and an even softer, like 3.5k re-entry main event or 5k. I don't know. And I was like, okay, I need another friend who convinced me, okay, we fly together. Um, well, other story, that was Julian Thomas and I ended up flying uh, alone. But um, yeah, so, I, so I've been there. This was my first 25K and there I realized, um, okay, they are really all shit. Like they, they were like players, I don't know. Um, like they, I don't know. They, they couldn't even remember their two cards, it felt like for me. And then this was the first time I met Nick, for example, as well, Nick Petrangelo. And he was like, who are you? And I did not really want to tell. Like, I, I kind of thought it's an advantage that I know all those guys from playing online, sitting those and stuff. And um, well, after three or four beers, he got me and I told him and he was like, I want to have all your action. And like, just tell me when, when you sell something. And I was like, all right, maybe this is now starting to be proof enough that I should play that stuff. Like, and then it's just such a small step from like really thinking, oh, this is a 25K, this is way too much money. And like, this is not your money you're playing with. And this is just so weird to gain that confidence or just gain that feeling of, well, you really should play that stuff and it's the best you can do. Um, and yeah, then it's like a normal thing. 
So just to be clear, you didn't have a lot of experience before, life experience? I, we can look up my hand. So you about. jumped right into the high roller scene? Uh, I can I tell mean, you, the, move. the first, well, I mean, I played goes and starts, which is like the highest thing for, so it's like, um, yeah. But still, life was a different thing. So my first live tournament was the WPT Vienna. Oh, another story I'm very proud of, actually. <laughs> um, I, the very first hand I played, I got min three bet by Sergei Babares, a former German oh, soccer nice. player. Um, I peel with ace three suited, board bricks, and I check fold. But um, I, I, I'm out after two hours. It was like a 3K. Um, Fedor was chip, chip leading, like on the final table, but there was the players party the night before the final table. And, um, well, you can guess who was responsible for Fedor missing like the first couple of orbits on that final table. And go, I think he was even chip leading and finished the tournament in eighth because he really needed to go to bed. So that was a, a great party we were having there. And I'm kind of proud of that story. Um, so what was it like when you played your first high roller tournament? Because for me, it was something special. It was just yeah. I'm actually, I don't remember too well, like that there was like a special feeling or something. I remember, I mean, I made the final table in that 25K and I remember at that point of time, I was so fucking nervous. I remember one hand, I played against Nick Petrangelo and he was like, I mean, you know how it looks like. He sits there like the fucking boss, right? I'm like there, this is my first time I tried to hide, like I did not pull the Kristoff moves, but like close. I, I really tried just to hide and play my game. And um, I remember one hand, I don't know the exact board and stuff, but it's like button or cutoff versus big blind against Nick. He check raises on like a 10-10-5 board. I'm totally full of shit, but I just know that he is full of shit as well. Like sometimes you know. <laughs> so I call to float the shit out of him. Turn is another brick, he checks to me. Or it was a 10 10 5 and turn uh, 10 5 5 turn PS the 10. And I'm like, okay, now my queen high has showdown value. I can bluff him on the river, whatever. But I'm like, I'm so nervous. I just want to end the hand here. He has so many check folds. So I go for the quarter pot step and fucking Nick Petrangelo goes for the double check race. And I, I reviewed the hand later with Fedor and I remember him saying, I mean, He's so full of shit, you've got to go all the way there. And <laughs> I know like one, in one point of time, I would have done that, but not my first live final table. And well, the whole story ended, I was tanking there, super nervous. I threw my queen high away and um, Petrangelo obviously showed me the jack nine with a flush draw or something. And like, okay, yeah, it's like, I knew you were full of shit, but I just couldn't pull the double float fuck you trigger. Uh, this is what I remember. Like I was so nervous. That sounds um, like a proper solver move. <laughs> Double definitely. float, fuck you, river. Or yeah. <laughs> Sometimes um, you got to do things. This is at beautiful. least back then. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I think very interesting subject that um, probably is interesting for a lot of people, not just me, is the subject of the cruise, right? Because you, you've been talking about, you know, the German crew. Etc. Etc. And obviously, you guys were like the first ones, which were pretty much like a close knit community of people pushing each other, right? And the story of you telling about the influence of Fedor, 
how he motivated basically all of you guys by just being super confident and pushing you in the right direction. And then you had the analytical people in the group, you know, and all sorts of people. So eventually the whole group gets the synergy of everybody pushing each other in a good direction, right? Because this German group was basically one of the first ones that actually took it seriously of working together and pushing each other forward. Because nowadays, if we look around, like pretty much everybody works with other people, right? Because people came to a conclusion that, hey, you want to achieve something big in this in this business, you have to work with other people. You have to have coaches, you have to have mental coaches, you have to have, you know, just people playing the same games that you do that you can share ideas with uh, and people who are just going to motivate you, right? Can yeah, you? like 100%. It's... Um I think before all the high rollers were kind of an American thing. You had like the old people like Phil Ivey, Dan Oligriano, et cetera, who've just been around forever. Um, plus you had those, I mean, the story of every American high roller is the same, right? It's like, I was a student. I somehow got into poker. I made a gazillion million dollars in like the first month. And uh, then when I were like, when I had 10K bankroll, I satellited into PCA and then I got second in the tournament, right? This is, this is the story of every single American high roller kind of, or they've just been the best at what they did, right? Like a Ben 86, or I don't know, like just crushing everything and then starting to play high rollers because they just have the five to 20 million. I don't know. It's, it's different numbers. Our, so they were like, they all had their uh, achievements pretty much on their own. And then they met. We were like, there was not like some 2008 poker boom money in that group that we had. There was Fedor winning everything, okay. And the others doing their job like grinding Zoom 500 or grinding the Sunday millions, etc. But our group was kind of all, everyone was not there for like, without a reason. So it was all kind of, it started 2014, the good old Cherry Island story when we went to Canada to play scoop and all the people who most of them ended up being in that high roller crew were kind of pre-selected by Fedor. And he's just a super smart guy and he just knows how to surround himself with the people that are needed in such a group. So um, it's kind of, it's not just that it's a group that met and worked together. It's just a, a kind of selected group that fits well together and works together. It's like, we have Dom who has been there forever. That's the only one who was like, not, pre not selected somehow. Yeah, it's super interesting that you say that because even from the outside, it looked like that because you know, you were like the, uh, the, uh, 100 BB guy, then there was Spencer B, the, the short stack guy, then, you know, there was uh, yeah. Reiner, the sitting go wizard. And it just seemed like it was somebody uh, thought it through. I don't know how much he thought it through. I think he was he was big into reading the random forums. It's like Poker Strategy, DE was like the German poker school forum where I had a blog and Ben CB had a blog and Reiner and Julian had a blog together. And I think Fedor just like, 
uh, read all that and chose by like the, the quality of how much he likes what is written there. And he actually just like, I, I was about to finish university and we have never met before. And uh, he just wrote me in Skype, hey, are you this Alda Falda was my screen name there. Uh, are you this guy? Um, I like what you write. Do you want to join for a grinding scoop in Canada? for like six weeks. I mean, it's like two weeks before, two weeks scoop, two weeks after. Um, like, yeah, I don't play tournaments, but why not, right? I just finished uni the, the month before. And um, yeah, like those, I mean, this is all that random stuff needs to come together to, to get into that spot. It's like super random that my way ended up the way it, it ended like poker wise. Um, but it's, it's just a, a different design than like, different people getting there kind of to the top by like binking a big tournament or being super good in like one discipline of poker um, and then trying to get along, which is like what happened after the Germans won everything. Like it's, everyone says the Germans won everything. It's not the thing. Fedor won everything mm -hmm. and all the Germans sometimes won like a little something. And um, <laughs> yeah, and then, um, then they started to, to group together. It's like, but different factors as well. I, I mentioned it before where I thought it's a um, big advantage that I had in the beginning that no, they just knew like, okay, I'm a random German, but, and I probably have to do with Fedor, but well, I played all those guys in cash. I, I don't know how much I played with Justin Bonomo, Sumon 1K, for example, at that point of time, or like the, the Sidengos with uh, Petrangelo and others. And I knew like their stats and potential leaks or anything and sitting there on the life table just like hiding I, I tried to to take the life part out of it um and i had that at one point plus we had the group of people that already played infinite tournaments with those and just like asking and sharing how does this guy play or like in those spots what do you think is he like how icm aware does he overfold does he not overfold in certain spots I had all those information and um, this is where like a large part of the edge that I would like just looking back now, which we clearly had not just obviously there was at least one guy in the group who ran insanely hot, but I'm very certain that there's like a, there was a huge edge as well, just like because of the or partly because of the working together. Hmm. Yeah. And it's also like to me, the interesting part about it like one of the interesting because there's so many interesting parts about it but it's just you know nobody really worked like this before like it wasn't a thing right there, there wasn't a group of people who were trying to achieve something at the high level and like super committed and trying to find people with different talents and uh, you know so that's super fun to, to realize because like nowadays you look at all these other groups of people you know americans they have their own group they have their own whatsapp uh, group chats you know comparing the notes pushing each other you know obviously all the the russians have their groups and uh, you know all sorts of countries and it's not only limited to countries like people know okay you need the groups and also like if we think about it uh you know in the tournament scenes there's the uh Oh, slipped my mind like bit b uh staking or whatever that that thing is right so it'd be a poker you have like i don't know all that so much south american stuff i guess as well exactly so and in cash games you have uh different things for hold'em and, and plo like like bluff the spot for example right so basically a group of a company 
that builds a group with coaches and the students to push each other to achieve something in no limit cash games, no limit hold'em cash games and PLO cash games, right? So this is all normal. This is like, it's so obvious to everybody who, who's trying to figure out, okay, what's the best way to, to progress quickly? It's obvious, okay, we need to work in a group and we need to take it seriously. The part about you guys just coming together and kind of creating this or realizing that that's the way, that's that's so fascinating. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I like shout out to Fedor here. I think he was the main part of, of like pushing that whole group together a little. Um, and yeah, was I, I agree totally. I mean, in which kind of sports or compet competitive environment in the world is it possible to compete at the highest level just like doing everything by yourself? Like this does not really exist. Right? Every sports field, they have their team around them, right? And or like even, I don't know, I'm just thinking of, of athletics, for example, track, track and field, like everywhere, uh, different names. Like they even pre-select in the country or like local area, the best people that they can train together, et cetera, et cetera, to get better, better. Mm. And it's just, I mean, it's just the same thing. And nowadays I'm just trying to have my cash game buddies around me as well. And, um, yeah. Mm. I mean, it, it seems so obvious now, but back in the days, nobody did it. And Do so you know the, the first group? There was like the the big word in the in the German forum, I don't know whether it, it qualifies as an English word, but it was called content hiding mafia. Oh, yeah. That was like the big thing, like people were scared of giving away like the magic clues that make you win in poker, right? When, oh, when people check twice, you can just bet large because then they fold, they are full of shit. Like as if it was something magical like that, like that the people got taught that, that made it up there somehow by chance or by, by, by being by being just smarter in those early days where poker was so unsolved and no one had a clue um, that they just like they got that mindset of not giving away anything. This is what I felt like I I even had it from like reading through those forums, like writing a blog that like I, I would be too shy to ask someone who is clearly better for his opinion, because it's like it's like asking him for money pretty much. That was, I don't know, that was kind of the the energy that was that was around there. Yeah, it's, it's true. And, you know, sometimes it's still, it still feels like that because, you know, if you hire a good coach, you also have to pay like $500 an hour. And so if you just ask them for free advice, uh, basically. Yeah, so it's just... but it's like, it helps you so much. Like if someone is clearly better, okay, that's, that's probably helps one guy way more than the other, but but so often just working together with people that are somewhat on your level just pushes you both like two levels ahead. Like, and I, I like a big, I was always a big fan of it. I was, I was writing that blog and like talking about strategy. I was not, I was not the best, right? Uh, I was just moving my way up the stakes, but obviously when I was playing NL 25, the people playing NL five could learn something. And I was happy about that. I, and I, yeah, I, I hated that even now in the, in like the 218, I don't know, high roller years, um, when people were hiding their content, right? Everyone had those solvers, everyone could run it. And if there was an interesting spot, I mean, why shouldn't I tell it, right? I, I, there are some people, I don't want to call out names here, but that pissed me off, like really? <laughs> like, yeah, okay, I, I'll put in the solver myself, but I, I've seen you have run it already. 
what would have been the line? Like, just tell me, right? It's like, it's out there. I, you know, and then getting the answer, uh, I think you should do that work yourself. Like, just like, it's really nothing special. I have to just like waste 10 minutes of my life and you make me waste 10 minutes of my uh, of my life instead of telling me the answer. It won't help me right now against you. Um, it's like, and I, I like that open attitude there, just like. Yeah, and also, you know, nowadays there's not one big secret you don't yeah. want to share. It's like everybody has access to solvers and, you know, everybody just like knows how saving to time or not, right? Yeah. No, no, like I want you to sit down and waste 10 minutes of your life to get to the point where I am already and I could tell you. It's like, yeah. I mean, but on the next uh, day he wants to have dinner with me. Uh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, like it's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, somebody is asking if you uh, think that's also possible to do that without a group. For example, Linus seems to just uh, do it all by himself. <laughs> well, Linus definitely has a group. I mean, he's he is like, uh, I mean, it's different personalities as well. He's one who is like, uh, I, don't, I don't know him too well. It's just like from seeing him sometimes, it's just the guess that he is like, he's avoiding parties. Let's say this is the one experience I have where I was invited at his, in his flat, at his flatmates party. And I was there, I thought I was there pretty much, I was half an hour late, but still one of the first people to be there. And I was the last guy leaving. And then I asked his flatmate, by the way, where was Linus the whole night? Oh, he has been here in the beginning, so probably the first five minutes. But then uh, he he went to to work like downstairs, like in his room to run the solvers and stuff. So <laughs> he's really like that guy, just like sitting there in his office working on it. I think there was even a, a blog he had. I might okay. mix that up, like uh, or on two plus two, where he was writing about like just he he like pretty early, where he was like still struggling on five hundred or one k. Like I want to be the best in the world, and I'll give everything to it. And he just kept going. But I think I was the Baron, right? No, not the Baron. OTB. OTB had a block too, but not like the 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 story I'm thinking about. Like this, I'm 1K right now, and I'm like breaking even. But I want to be the best in the world, and this is my my motivation. Like that's a different one that I always had. Like I, I never wanted to be like the best player in the world or anything. Oh, but I have to check that out later. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not. I might, I might that I might mix that up, but not with the red, not with the red baron. I'm not sure. Don't want to tell wrong stuff. So it's just what I have in my mind. Yeah, but anyway, the the thing is that of course Linus has a group of people. Of course, because like you don't achieve the heights, you know, by just sitting alone, solver or no solver. I mean, you can be the biggest geek in the world and sit twenty hours a day uh, in front of the computer. It's not gonna. It's not gonna make like. And then we happen. can come back to the story. There will be one guy who is as much of a geek as you are, but he will have his crew, which has to have advantages, right? Exactly. So, all right. Let's let's address a few more questions from the chat. We've been uh, having some activity. Um, people are asking, are you gonna stream again? Um, I might like, as I, I know it was just in our, like when we were talking before the stream, um, you asked me for, uh, no limit gaming where it's, uh, like my buddy's, uh, Stefan Schillhabel's project, uh, with birthday yesterday, by the way. So happy birthday, Stefan. If uh, you are, some of the NLG fans are watching, um, happy birthday, happy yeah. birthday man. And, um, 
yeah, it's just, it's his project and I'm like helping him out. So it was like, we um, looked for like starting the whole esports project with the poker team. And um, yeah, um, and I was like happy to, 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 to help him there, like with streaming to get some sponsors, etc., to get the name out there. Um, I tried like that. This is what most people remember where I was streaming like every day for one week straight or 10 days straight. I don't know. Um, I just tried it out whether that could be something for me to do more where I think like, I'm not sure, probably not, but there will be the occasional streams where I'm just like streaming for no limit gaming. Um, right now there are other projects planned. Um, we had the coaching taught projects with two coaching so far, um, like uh, an esports legend to, to coach him in, uh, that is poker interested to coach him in poker. Now we have another coaching uh, with um, like a really, really well-known Counter-Strike player. Um, so I will probably, we're still working on the de details, but I will coach him so, um, and I don't want to invest too much time. So um, I, I want to help him out, but don't want to make that a really, really big deal. Um, and as long as there are projects like that, I won't stream, but if there are no projects, um, then I'm like every now and then just, just put a random stream out there. Nice. So the same person is asking, uh, do you plan to move up the stakes or are you content grinding uh, 500 to 1k NL? But uh, you're, you're playing higher than that as well all the time. It's just that the games are not there on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, I'm not battling wrecks on like 2k plus because I just think they are better than me or they or I just guess they have to be better. So right now I'm always open seating 501k. There's like and well, there's either I'm slightly better than most of the wrecks. So like, I mean, you, I got to be a little confident at least, right? <laughs> uh, or um, when we play three or four handed, the, the occasional recreationals that come on those limits just make up for the wreck war where we lose. Let's say everyone is, is, uh, is as good as the others, then um, uh, we obviously pay rake. So it's like, um, yeah, I'm doing fine, like really good in those stakes right now. And um, yeah, Zoom 500 is like, sometimes it's just a rake trap, sometimes it's good. So I try to be selecting there. I mean, I obviously want to make money, but I'm still, there's like different motivations to playing poker. It's not, right now for me, it's not to only make money. It's like to get better at cash games as well. So sometimes it's just good to play tough games as well, especially when there are no good games running. But I'm playing like 2K, I'm happy to play 5K when, when I'm a clear winner in that like anytime. Um, I even played some 10k this year, so it's like, it's not a, a limit. I want to beat the game I'm playing in. Um, and yeah, the Zoom 500 is just the, the limit that is pretty much always running and where really, really good people sometimes still play. Like people clearly better than me play that. So this is pretty much the, like a training tool as well. Mm-hmm. All right. So another question is, do you think it will be possible to make three to four big blinds uh, at No Limit 200 Zoom for the next five years? Uh, when stars doesn't keep uh, doesn't keep increasing the rate, I think for sure. Like Zoom 200 is a is a limit. I always thought like, OK, there will be like the wave of gazillion Asian or Eastern European um, players where just like those limits like 100 200 gives them in their countries a really 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 good living 
that there must be like just like armies of those players but that never happened so i guess like it's still maybe i think it's easier than it is to get there because i'm just so much into it um and the thing is which which makes me positive about that question is um is that there will always be people in like rich countries that like to spew off 200 bucks like this has been always like that and it will stay like that life poker will always be there when it comes to like normal money and uh something up to 500 online will always be a thing because yeah mm -hmm. it's All just right. like those people exist it's and it is i mean it is fun to 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 play for 200 bucks if you can afford it it's a fun game i like the game a lot so it's like um it is a lot of fun so people will do it and this means that people will make money with it and right now i think it's possible to get like up to eight bigs i guess when you don't select the pool too much even more when you select the pool um i don't know i played like i played lots of zoom 200 actually uh, but I was like up to eight tabling Zoom and I have like six PB right now without really like focusing on the people too much. So it's, I think like eight is is, is, is possible uh, or the, the strongest players in there should have something like that. And yeah, I mean, question for five years is, is, uh, is not a, I mean, not the smartest question in poker because five years is just, is like centuries uh, compared to other, other industries. But mm -hmm. uh, I'm, yeah, I'm feeling positive on that. So I have a, sorry, I have a follow-up question. Um, you said that one of your main motivations for poker is to get better. And do you think that you always want to play non limit hold'em, or do, do you think that it's also fun to you uh, try so, to for example? Yeah, my motivation for poker is not getting better. I mean. It's like I have to get better to, to beat it, obviously, or like to beat the stakes I want to beat to make the money. Like my motivation in poker is I like the game. It's I can make money with it. And well, it's 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 fun and I want to make a good living out of it. This is my motivation for poker. I said before um, a motivation for a session. When I sit down for a session, I usually have a goal. Sometimes in the morning I play a few tables and my goal is really just I want to battle good players now, really, because this is where I can think the smartest, I guess, or I'm like not getting tired or anything. So this is really my, my you want to, if you want to call it a game, um, then I bring that and I'm fine. Like whether I lose a little deal or win a little, it's not like there are other people who are just always table selecting well. This is the motivation. I'm just playing that to make money. For me, I'm not just looking in the solver. I learn a lot by playing as well to, to really face problems there, think about them and then look them up later. But for me, it's way better to really, to, to when I have been in that situation, this was what I meant with the motivation of getting better. Okay. Um, it's not like, yeah, it, like your question re referred a little to like, or made me remember uh, Petrangelo again, who says like, I want to do that forever and ever, right? I would love to see something outside of poker that I enjoy as much. And then like, I don't need the game. Like, it's like, I, I can go on vacation for four weeks and don't have that, um, degen thing in me that I need to play or even longer. It's like, no, it's, it's, I, I still enjoy it, but it's, it, it's not like a job, but it's like, yeah, something in between. If there was something that I, I would be thrilled. 
about him, I would be happy to to know it. I, I didn't see anything so far, unfortunately. I mean, yeah, you you also told me before that it's just in your nature, and you started with the what's the name of the game again? So uh, you you grind that battlefield or something like Warcraft? That. No, what? Oh, the Schlachtplatz. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a German name, but yeah, you know, if you, if you yeah, it's so like I don't know, we were talking about when. Uh, Toby added me on Skype. I have a weird, a weird non-poker related Skype name. And I told him that's like, like uh, the, the name comes from a browser game I played when I was 10 or 12 or something. And that just shows I was, I was very competitive. And I, obviously you could attack people there. And the best time is that when they don't see it because like moving your troops, etc., takes time. So there were some alarm clocks four in the morning. And uh, <laughs> when I was 12 and I had to go to school at six and my dad wakes me up at 6.30. Um, so, and well, they would kill me if they, if they knew that I get up there. So I had to like really uh, uh, be careful, not letting anyone know. And like, what is, what is Schleichen, right? Uh, <laughs> to move downstairs where the one computer in the house was. And, uh, <laughs> but I ended up being first place in that 10,000 runner field until they deleted me for multi-accounting, which was obviously not the case. I did other shit, but the one they deleted me for, I didn't do it. <laughs> and I, it was really sad because those accounts, you could sell them. There was like a market for it. And like the account with like the strength of mine was like worth 150 euros, which was for a 12 year old or I don't know. So that, that was so, your first downswing. This, that was, I, 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 lit, I literally cried. Like I had the, was like one guy just programming the whole thing. He had like a call with me because I was, I was kind of a big deal there. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I mean, I couldn't help myself. I was 12 and that was like, it, it's, it, I think it was worse than like when the pet of a 12 year one uh, old dies. Like it, I think that feeling more like <laughs> nerds like me. I mean, Oh, wow. That's so funny. Yeah. And by yeah. the way, I see Skrimitsu just subscribed to our channel. Good to see you here, man. Uh, we had a fun <laughs> podcast with him. Speaking of a fun podcast with him, we had a question if you guys can rewatch this episode on YouTube. Yes, you will be able to do it. We're going to post it on YouTube uh, in about like a week and a half. You can look it up on uh, Run Chuck's Poker on YouTube, the channel. We have all the podcast episodes there. Uh, you should work on that, by the way. Uh, when Toby told me about the podcast, I tried to Google it and I had no chance of finding it. Yeah, because Toby didn't tell you what to look for properly, I think. <laughs> yeah, but if I know it's like something with Bluff the Spot and it's like something with PLO and it's on Wednesday and it's a podcast, yeah. I think I should be able to find it. That's true. That's true. I mean, <laughs> you know, we're kind of still in the amateur hour in many ways here right <laughs> but i don't care i mean no, i'm having fun true, prof true professionals <laughs> we're true professionals when it comes to playing poker this we're doing for fun and uh to me you know that's and, that's and so the dog is here as well because <laughs> <laughs> we always talk about you know in many of the uh, episodes that we had we talk about you know having the team surrounding you with the people that push you, you know, share ideas and uh, motivate you, open your eyes to, to, to new things, right? And I feel like with every guest that we have here, you know, having this conversation in such a long format where there's no agenda, nobody's trying to sell anything or marketing, it's just a normal conversation. I always like get something out of it that 
pushes me to like you know see some new things and uh, see new perspectives and it's just so awesome so i don't care you can't find it on youtube well <laughs> at least i had fun you know? <laughs> i'm sure it, one day it's just, we're gonna it's just get us with pretty much having a beer and having a good conversation and exactly well, the others yeah. can watch if they want and if not it's fine exactly that's that's the whole that's the whole thing here all right um what else well let's let's quickly address a couple more questions in the chat and then go ahead with our own discussion the way we want it um so what is saying the kanu said that the skill difference between uh, zoom 500 and 10k nl is like going from 2 nl to 500 um, zoom all over again do you think that's true i think this couldn't be further away from the truth <laughs> because it's the same people playing nl 10k and showing up in zoom 500 so obviously someone who whose highest uh, like thing he's uh, stakes he's playing is Zoom 500. It's still a long way to get to that level where the play, uh, players are playing 10K, but we have a bit too easy showing up in the in the Zoom 500 pool. We have, uh, how to pronounce it? I, I still call him Masher Doc. So MMA, MMA Sure Doc or whatever. Yeah, shout uh, out to MMA, Zoom 500 our fellow head every coach now and here. then. We yeah. have Poker Kluka showing up in the Zoom 500. That's the same people that play 10K, right? We have some, some of the Russians they, I think they run the solvers instead of playing Zoom 500 every now and then. But all those that have a little poker degen and they love the game, they, and th this is the highest game that is always running, right? So you need to play it. Obviously, overall, it's still way softer because they are there. You have top racks that just use that as like a training tool to get hands in. I don't think that uh, that uh, mesh. I, I keep calling him Mesher Doc, whether it's right or not. Um, it's like uh, he doesn't really play Zoom 500 for the money, right? When you play 10K the next day. Obviously, you try to win, but it's not like his main motivation. Oh, I play Zoom 500 now to make a $150 hourly in, at like a random time. I don't think that this is the, the case. So, um, but they, they are playing it. And so it's the same. Plus, well, obviously, you have the good, but not like top, top regs. And then you have some like different spots than you have like on 10k but sometimes even the 10k table can be softer because it's like two really 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 good players the ones that run a script uh even if it's not allowed in stars um and they are usually not the very strongest players and then you have you have like a super whale so it's like um i don't think there's a big difference awesome that's that's pretty cool money wise like you should you should have a different bankroll to play 10k well, yeah, that's true. I, I, I can tell you something because this sucks. Like I I started this year with a plan of just playing mid stakes because I will pay taxes in Germany and the, all, uh, the whole thing with like deducting losses from winnings can be difficult. I'm not, I'm not really sure about it because it's not many people or no one I really know ever did it. Everyone I know lives in like Austria or England. Um, so I wanted to make sure that I won't have like too many losing months or uh, or even the chance of having a losing year. So what happened was I got up January 3rd. I just didn't have a good sleep. I got up early at like 7.30 or 8 in the morning. And well, there was a 10K table running with a, with a whale. So I needed to try that one out because it's like what I would have done the last year. And it was a great decision EV wise, um, but I obviously 
ran like Ace King into Aces, the second orbit, and lost like two or three other major pots. And I was stuck 30K for the year with the plan of grinding Zoom 500 and NL 500 and NL 1K. Um, so it took me the 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 February to to break even there, and now we are at zero again. Uh, so just like um, yeah, NL 10K can kill your grind a little. Mm. But um, yeah, skill wise, yeah, I think the, the table was softer than the sorry uh, than the usual Zoom 500. Mm. Yeah, and like that tax situation is is tricky for you huh? yeah it's super tricky because it's like there is the problem is that there are no rules like written down they, they decide case to case which allows them to do anything and if you're not fine with it you have to um you have to go to court pretty much um so and there are no no real other cases of like similar jobs or people doing exactly the same thing I do where I can say like, okay, it's working like that there. And I do the same thing. And it's like, there was like, I don't know. Um, there was a, a thing I, I I'm lacking English works, uh, words in that area. So there was a thing where they decided that there won't be value added tax, um, Mehrwertsteuer for the Germans in, in like for like poker winnings. That's what they made sure. But it's like, yeah. I mean, it's just tough. Mm. But right. I, I make sure that now, right now, I, I will only play with my money, which makes it easy because then it's um, it's 100% sure that I will only get taxed on winnings. Um, before it could be possible, if you have like swaps and shares, etc., that other people might win and you cannot deduct your losses. And then in the end of the year, you are break even and someone wants like a six digit amount of money from you, which this is like what could kill you. And uh, another reason why I'm just sticking to the cash game grant. Mm -hmm. Interesting. What's interesting about it is also that, you know, you made this decision, right? You, you made a decision to move back to Germany and... To me, it's just so great, you know. I, I like I'm in a similar situation myself that you know I've made a lot of changes in my life just because I figured, you know what, I want to do something. I want to do something that is better for the overall life, you know, the quality of life. I, you know, with the little kid around and all that stuff, I want to have like a normal life, what we would call a normal life. And sometimes, you know, in your case, it means just going back to the roots, going back to your country and just having, you know, more enjoyable, more fulfilling kind of fuller life. And yeah, you, you end up paying taxes, but okay, well, you know, it's part, part of, uh, everyone does it. I mean, there's nothing exactly. wrong with paying taxes, right? And it's even, we had so many discussions and, I know from like the people I know really well that no one is lying about that everyone would be happy um, and no one is like like hiding away from taxes if there was like a, a like a, a ruling that you could count on like it would be way more people living in Germany it's just like the risk of getting fucked up right mm. no one wants to to run the risk of like making 100k a year and then getting asked for 200k in um, in Texas and the only option to not do it is like going to court and what happens there you never know right so mm -hmm. it's um, that's that's the main problem so I worked on that the last year to figure as much out as I could 
to make that decision and to know what exactly I need to do to be on the safe side. Right. Right. And also, like, obviously, that comes back to our, our discussion that, you know, why you stop the high roller scene, et cetera, et cetera. And with the tax situation, with all the other things, it obviously makes so much sense. And uh, uh, let's talk about the supernova elite here. <laughs> right yeah because i mean we've been talking about a bit about like you know this freedom this ability to just basically you know start your day when you want to start it and then you know if you feel like it you you grind till like whatever 7 a.m whatever it takes and then you maybe take the next day off you're, you're free to do like from my experience in the supernova elite year i basically had a schedule that i was really diligent about sticking to the schedule like i had a specific goal of hands per day in mind and it was a pretty big goal and then even though my days didn't look crazy it was usually just like six hours of of playing you know four to six hours on average but still like you have this everyday grind and you have to go get back to it and to me the toughest point was when the big downswing started because normally my, my reaction to like a, a huge downswing when you get emotionally invested in the whole thing is I take a couple of days off, maybe I take a week off, just away from poker, away from everything, just chill, relax, you come back hungry, you're happy. But where, where I was going for the Supernova Elite, I didn't have that ability uh, to stop when I wanted. Uh, did you experience the same thing and how did you handle it if you did? Yeah, um, I'm not really sure. So first of all, I want to I, I want to um, tell everyone out there that number one advice is really to take those breaks. Like when you're in a downswing that helps so much, just like three days fresh air in the brain, I call it like no poker. And then you get back with a different motivation and things might just turn around. Right? Um, but I feel like my, my situation was kind of special. I obviously had downswings as well and I was pissed, but I planned the whole thing. Um, and my, my, my living situation was just different. Um, I lived when I played Supernova Elite, I lived in Brighton where it was okay, but I did not really, I, I never really arrived in that city. Right? I, I was injured the day I moved there, couldn't do any sports. And this is always the first connections I make. So I had my two flatmates, um, Reiner Kempi and Ben CB, and they were like partly traveling, partly there, um, Reiner mainly traveling. And we had like a German crew there sometimes doing sports, but it was just like so different to my normal life and something I, I did not really enjoy. Like I hated the weather there. Obviously we were lacking summer totally and um so it was like for me uh, at like one point pretty early in time i decided i'm here for working so it's pretty much a different attitude to the whole show already it's not like i'm trying to live like a, a fulfilling life here and want to have a good time plus doing that job of grinding which is supernova elite is nothing else but a job but it was like okay here i'm just grinding the shit out of it. And then I take two weeks off again to really enjoy time um, where I like to be and like fly home or uh, something. And um, yeah, it's, I, I kind of, I stick to a schedule. I always had those morning sessions where I was working on like theory topics and I was grinding the night. So what's, what's helped me a lot was when, um, 
for example, Ben CB had a, had a clear grinding, uh, grinding routine as well. When he was playing in the night, he was playing like tournaments or sitting goals and had like his clear sessions, which kind of gave me motivations, uh, motivation as well to not like hang around and watch Netflix or anything. Um, it's like same right now. If like Toby show, uh, shows up here for the afternoon, it's like there's no way like of really of a downswing. Yes, but of being super pissed because it's like that that motivation that just like is in the room somehow, right? It's like we are here for grinding now. That's the plan. And why should I change anything now just because I lose a couple of pots or I'm down? Like I maybe I start reviewing a little more. But um, yeah, I definitely had that. Um, routine there uh, grinding the afternoon and nights and well I really planned the whole thing how many hands do I need I set that VPP counter in the star software and um, I usually try to double the daily amount because I wanted to play more in winter than in summer because they want to take more off etc and um, it helped always that January and February were good month um, because uh, what I mean with good months is not like the results, but like what was running. And um, I think I still got like kind of low variance, lots of hands in. One of the years, Zoom 500 and Zoom 1K was was almost running 24 seven in the winter month. And I don't know, I don't have that skill as I had it anymore. Like still, still a little, but eight tabling Zoom was not a big deal for me. So it's like infinite hands. And I just really, as, as I said, I, I tried to double the VPP counter and that motivation of getting a getting a day off for every day I really grind was pretty strong. Um, and that where I live, that was OK for me to not leave the flat and and like live poker for 14 hours straight, two hours of like eating, taking breaks and eight hours of sleeping. That was totally fine. So, um, yeah, I think I, I mean, I told you how much I was over it in the end, but, um, it's, it's draining, but I, I never had that problem in the, in the middle of, of, of it that I like, Oh, I cannot make supernova lead. That was, that was never, never an option or like really that supernova lead forced me to do something I didn't want to. Right. Now, it wasn't the case for me either. It's just at one point it was like I was behind the schedule on the the points and I knew I can't afford to take a day off because otherwise, you know, there's not enough time unless I go like completely crazy and, and grind like 20 hours a day, which I, I don't want to do and I can't do it, uh, you know, and yeah. then I, you know. I think that, that helped a lot that like really January, February always put me insanely ahead of the curve. Right. Um, or of the pace. And then I took summer off to fall behind, but I knew like November, December will be like January, February. Mm. And like, this is totally fine in, in November. If I'm not flying to the Bahamas, I mean, the weather I hate the most is 10 degrees in rain or five degrees in rain. I like snow. I like the heat. I like anything, but not that in between and rain. And like, guess what? We had 11 out of 12 months in Brighton. <laughs> um, so that was, that made it easy. Like the, yeah. the choice of where, of where I live made it very easy. <laughs> nice. And actually one thing that you've mentioned, which I want to talk about, you said like before it was easy for you to grind eight tables of zoom, right? And it's not anymore. Exactly the same thing for me. I used to grind eight tables of Zoom. I used to grind like 18 tables of normal uh, game non-Zoom. And it was easy. It wasn't even, 
you know, it wasn't draining. It this just was a normal thing. Now I feel like it's like I, obviously I can't do it. What do you think is it? Because uh, like so many people that I talked with who used to grind mass tables as well are also in the same situation now that you know most people apart from some special uh, cases can't do it anymore. I mean. Uh, it's like the first obvious thing is that the time bank of PokerStars got decreased. But um, so like the, the standard one, you have like two seconds less or so for like mm -hmm. the, the standard click, uh, which is which adds up. Um, so this is really tough. The other one is just not not having the routine of like this was obviously the result of playing four years straight mass tabling where you get pretty much better and better at it. So it's like I think like subconsciously you are faster with your i don't know eye movement to stats you are faster with like realizing avatars and names and like because you know it's like the same people over and over again right now for me like even if i just take three days break the next session takes me so much focus if i'm in like if i'm playing for a week straight on day number five, I don't know, it's totally fine to sit down and I know everyone and it just feels natural. And I guess this is something that builds up. For me, it was like the, I don't know, three or three year break more or less from online cash where I just played every now and then or like from break from the mass grind that it just like, it's tough to get back into the state that I've been into. I think right now it's not not just, I mean, obviously it would be easy to just say, oh, we are older and 29, like you're not, I mean, obviously esports, for example, we are too old for now. Like Counter-Strike, you can't play it with 29 for like certain reasons because people's reactions just drop down already at, I, I still consider myself kind of young. So uh, I don't want to want to go with the, I'm, I'm old now thing, but um, I think it, this is obviously parts of it as well. And um, it won't be better with 35 or... Um, how old are you, Toby, right now? <laughs> I am 31. 31. But what about Runchucks? Runchucks. Runchucks, how old are you? I'm, uh, let me think. That's how old I am. I need to think. I'm actually counting the year. It's 35. So with, for you, it's definitely the age thing. <laughs> it's definitely the age thing, yeah. Yeah. It's the age and the math, because I actually had to count. 35, yeah. But um, <laughs> And it's a great point that you made about, you know, it's... The thing about, you know, th this routine that like if you do it for for a week, you're just much quicker. It's it's part of you. And I remember telling like because I remember some people were asking some friends of mine were asking like, hey, do you have any advice? Like, how could I play six tables of Zoom? You know, you play eight tables of Zoom. That seems like very comfortable. How, how, how can I play six tables of Zoom? And my advice was always, well, play eight tables of Zoom for three days. And it's going to be super easy to play six tables of Zoom. It's so relaxing. Do you know that feeling when you start to get bored? Like, oh, oh, what's up on Skype? What's on YouTube? Like, because you, you are or your normal, I don't know, like engagement with eight tables. It's like, and like yeah, I know that. It's yeah. like obviously the strong part would to to think more deeply about the situations, but the more natural one, at least for me, is to open up more stuff non-poker related and i'm one of those guys who like i play four tables of zoom six other normal tables and chat at the same time with like three people and like oh wait you're in a session right now like i don't want to it's fine right it's like obviously it would be better if not but that's just you know it's uh 
Yeah. It's, it's another Wunsch concert here. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, same with me here. Last time I checked my database, like my worst results are when I only play one or two tables. Same, same. <laughs> it's like a sweet spot. Too much is also not good for obvious reasons, but, you know, if I play six or seven, that's, that works for like, me. I think, like, for example, when I play six, or like I usually have like some zoom running as like, as like a baseline and I want to select the, the normal tables well. And at some point it takes all my energy to just play. And then the, the table selection is lacking where like obviously huge parts from the win rate comes from. Um, that like the sweet spot is, is pretty much there where I can ex use like where, where I'm busy, but I still have that little space in my in my brain to look for like better tables to to just even just to just evaluate how good are the tables that like this is something another like advice maybe if you are playing cash you should always know how good your tables are at the moment if you are not knowing that you are too busy or not like doing things right I, I, and this is like the big mistake I'm doing often just like I get into that keep playing mood whoever is there but when you are playing not to battle wrecks, but to make money. Just like, you should always know how good a table is. So, um, mm. yeah. Oh, that's great advice. The way I see it is, is usually like, I try to ask myself a question. If the seat was open, would I take it right now? Yeah. Right. Cause that's, basically, a, that's a good thing. Like 99% yeah. for what I play, it's a clear no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously also guilty of the same thing, you know, very often I find myself just, uh, you know, because sometimes I, I feel like I, I feel like I don't have as much time for poker as I would like to because of all the other things that I do. And I love to do all the other things that I do. So when I'm playing, I feel like whatever, I'm just going to be playing because that's my time. You know, and then very often it's maybe not the best game selection, and um, I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's my time. I'm gonna play. Yeah, I mean, totally agree. Lucky Skill is saying that even with the weather, you prefer to polarize rather than merge. I guess coming back to your Brighton weather story, if you prefer, you know, either snow or sunny, not like in between with the rain. Yeah, I mean, I just told a buddy of mine last week, I'm, I'm going for like a little ski weekend tomorrow. It's like for me, like winter can be over by then. And I'm, I'm ready for those 20, 25 degrees plus again. Like snow is fine, but like this, this in between is really the worst. Mm. Right. Um, do you plan to go to Vegas actually this year at all or not really? No. Nice. It's a clear, clear no, no. <laughs> but, but uh, well, for for reasons. So um, I um, I took part in that uh, Euro tickets lottery. So it's like when you want to get tickets for the for the Euros, it's like always less tickets than people that want tickets. So they kind of make a lottery, um, not in the sense that you're winning something, but you win the right to buy tickets. So I never participated in, in any of those big events, but I like it so much. So um, I remember everything pretty much from every World Cup, from all the Euros. And um, so I finally wanted, I think I, I watched like um, Pat's Instagram stories from 2018, where I was like, where he was traveling Russia. And I was like, this is exactly what I love, right? So I wanted to finally, 2020 Euro takes place in whole Europe. And I just signed up for all kinds of tickets where I wanted to go. 
And then it's like, I think, well, another fun part of the story, Koray Aldemir did the same thing. He signed up for like 33 different matches in like all the cities, but Baku, Azerbaijan. It's like a really bad connection there. And, um, and he got zero tickets. So he's, it's like, this is how likely it is to get some. And I signed up for nine, yeah, for for nine matches, and I got tickets for four. So got the got the upswing there, and I have tickets for a um, like group stage match um, in Munich, which is Germany versus Portugal. But my stupid cousin decided to marry exactly on that day. <laughs> so uh, I got to skip that and give it to my friends. And uh, but then I have like a round of 16 in Amsterdam and I got tickets for both the semifinals in London. So um, this is where I will be. No Vegas for me. Oh, Overlaps. Nice. nice. That sounds yeah. good. I got to say I'm a little jealous. That's that's amazing. I mean, if you're skipping like Vegas, if you're absolutely. skipping Vegas, I have two tickets for the semifinals and didn't uh, didn't didn't check out who to take with me so far. Oh, so nice! And also, be, London is my home. If if you are if you're a nice guy, you have you have a good shot. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> is there anything you need right now? I'm fine, thank you. <laughs> How about tomorrow? I guess Toby's gonna be now <laughs> every day with food delivery. Hey, Stefan, what's your favorite coffee from Starbucks? <laughs> Starbucks is right on the way. <laughs> you know, awesome, awesome. And speaking of all these events, you know, in the light of the coronavirus, um, wow, you know, there's talk that. Vegas is going to be canceled this year. That would really, really suck. I mean, I, it's probably unlikely, but who knows? I mean, we're experiencing it. Right? I mean, I experience it, uh, it pretty much every day. Um, like just reading the sports news that I read every day. Like they were talking about whether the Bundesliga match between Borussia Mönchengladbach and Dortmund gets canceled because right there close to the stadium in like one area, they had like some cases. Uh, but now it's all good. We have uh, Switzerland like shut down all events um, with more than 1K people. And the, I don't know, Frankfurt just advanced in EuroLeague and they play FC Basel. And the wave, uh, like the Frankfurt fans were like, well, that's cool. But if there won't be a match happening or without like viewers, that's fucked up. And it's like all that stuff like I'm kind of relaxed with that like I'm more like okay it's like maybe a stronger flu and old people die from it but I'm like I don't know it was like my uh was like my, my girlfriend's dad said it on the on the weekend like the way it just like he's working in in the in, in a hospital I guess yeah and uh, and he just said like just bring it on bring it on and then it's like this will be something that comes back every year and like I mean you cannot Obviously, you can try to not get it, but it's like then you got to stop living, and it's like, yeah, I think I'm I'm not dying if I get it, so I'm I'm not too like scared of anything. So, right. and plus, all the people who go to Vegas for the whole summer anyway, like the amount of disease <laughs> in those casinos <laughs> is just insane. Like I remember one year. Uh, like whatever the year was, like 2016, 2017, there was the Legionnaire's disease in, in Rio. Like seriously, <laughs> Legionnaire's disease. <laughs> what, what is I going on? I'm saying in the Rio, yeah. 
it, it's so ridiculous. And I mean, all these, you know, the Rio flus and like all the people after a couple of weeks of being in Vegas, just all, always sick. So I suppose uh, a little coronavirus uh, is not going to scare <laughs> many of them. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah. We'll it see. remains to be seen. Deal, but mean. for like a kind of healthy 29-year-old in like a, a pretty good health system, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll uh, see, I obviously, safe, like, so. there's... It's also flu season right now, right? So, yeah. I mean, it should be over in a couple of months. Let's yeah, see. Maybe. Let's see. I'm we don't know. Not, I don't even wanna, like, I, not that I'm, like, scared of going anywhere now. Yeah, I and don't know. If, to Vegas, by the way, Rancha? Me? Yeah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. And then I'm thinking, uh, kind of, yeah. I'm not, not really sure. I think so. I think so. What about you? No, 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 no way. No I mean, one. you were with me in London, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Euro semi-final. Right. Finals, both of them. Finals. <laughs> All right. A very nice friend invited me. <laughs> oh, well. So, what else? I mean, we've covered so many interesting topics. Like, especially the highlight for me was, you know, the discussion about the cruise and, uh, you know, the hard work always so fascinated about that you know and people out working who do you think are the people who are the toughest right now in the online environment that you're playing in uh, well uh, you, yeah i just want to say like i have no clue but you 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 uh, like got 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 the right question in the end in in uh, in your online environment you asked right because i'm just trusting the system so i think the best people are those that are open seating the highest stakes and those are those that i'm not playing so um i don't know how good they are i just trust the system pretty much <laughs> the mm -hmm. ones that i I don't know, like I, I don't, like just from playing a couple of hands, it's all kind of variance or like whether they give you trouble or not, or okay, for some people you, you start having like, a, oh, such an idiot opinion, which is like usually more a compliment for them than like really them being bad. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm more looking at, at like objectives. I like to stay objective there, look up results um, or like, I mean, know from others um, that have more sample and just trust their opinions. And it's just really, I mean, I know people have that opinions like or create opinions just from playing a little, but I think that does not really make sense. Um, and there are just lots of people where I'm maybe not really sure about what I can what I can exploit, which is pretty much the strongest strongest um, compliment I can give anyone, right? If I have no clue what to exploit, and then my goal is to just play as optimal solver-wise as possible, that's that's the best it can get to. If like people are doing something weird, and even if it's it might be just good, and they are exploiting me. I will still like tell like, oh, they are shit. They did something that is not okay, right? Maybe they, they owned me there in that spot. Like I can, what was it that hand today? I have one hand I played today in mind. Um, Tunus, Toynus, like Dutch guy. Mm -hmm. It's like a, a like kind of well-known mid-stakes grinder. I think it was him or one, one uh, another one of that crew. Um, he three bet me big blind versus cutoff with pocket threes. If you look up the solver, well, um, that's a zero percenter. Uh, but 
Now you could uh, argue, okay, against the pool, I'm overfolding because they are not three betting enough. So he might exploit that and it's just really good. But I'm not doing that against him because he's just a good player. So it's maybe bad again. Then he went for like a, was like a king, queen, five board. He, um, he C bets, which is fine there with range. I call whatever flush draw. Turn is a four. He barrels again, which is, if you look it up in the solver, another clear zero percenter. And uh, well, obviously he ends up winning the hand against my ace high that I have to show down. Um, but it's like seeing something like that. And I know he's overall really good, but adding two solver zero percenters, that's how I take it in, in one hand, that's pretty strong move. And I would say like, this is just far out of line. So he sucks, right? If I didn't know the background a little more. Um, so that's more like my take that it's, I can only tell you who I think is shit, but I won't do that. And I like the biggest compliment is, oh, there are some people where I'm not really sure what, where I, or I've never seen them doing something bad, right? So, and this is like, yeah, it's it's tough to, to name people that are good in poker. That's what I feel like. And I think it's super important what you pointed out that, you know, so many people are too quick to assume, ah, he's bad. You know, he did it like two moves that are clearly, clearly bad, so he's bad without asking the question like, okay, what was his motivation? What's his thinking here? Maybe he's actually owning me here, right? I I love your approach and just trying to figure things out, you know, because too many people are too trigger happy of just saying, ah, this is a bad like, move, you just suck. Right now, I, I don't know, which I should probably know after looking up the hand, it's like, um, is, might there be another reason why he does that? Maybe there was the biggest snit recreational in the world on the button that he knows I'm way too wide on the cutoff and I did not even realize that for example mm -hmm. or I remember those like what the fuck he flats something super ridiculous on the button and then just after the hand when when mass grinding you miss those things you see like oh it was a 58-6 whale in the big blind right and then it's like obviously just great what he did yeah and I just missed it and, and uh, approached the hand the wrong way so it's always like I mean, coming back to that, like poker wise, I'm not that overconfident. I'm great and all the others are shit, right? That, that mindset that helps you, I feel like, getting into like tough lineups and just play, which would have helped me in like my career, for example, to move up quicker. But um, like for, for analyzing stuff like that, it's, it's, it's really helpful, I guess. Mm -hmm. All right. I don't know about you guys, but I want to hear more about your live stories from all the high roller scenes <laughs> it's it's tough to just ask for stories if you if you like you know like you you need to come up with something that i i start creating those not not creating but like well, remembering let, those let me give you a, a seed for your thoughts right because to me yeah that's great and we already discussed and i think that was a great question of like do you remember your first experience you know and how how was it etc because it's always the most memorable right but do you remember the first time when you met somebody who was like a poker celebrity for you? <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, obviously, first one is uh, Sergei Barbares, who uh, min three bet me, but he was on a poker celebrity. So um, the very first one, I flew to EPT Berlin just because there was EPT Berlin and a buddy uh, told me... Um, uh, hey, they are good cash games. And I was like playing NL 200 online maybe and was ready to play like NL 1K live or something. 
And so I just flew there and I was like looking around in the casino always, whether I see one of the stars, I was just, I didn't know those people back then, but uh, Fedor was there, for example, I didn't meet him. Julian Thomas got fifth in the EPT main event there, one, one of my best buddies these days. I didn't know him back then. I was just grinding in the Spielbank am Potsdamer Platz for, uh, for freaking 5-10 against randoms. And there was the first poker in my eyes celebrity was Mark Gork. Do you know him, Toby? Of course, yeah. Of course, it's like an old guy. school legend. Right? <laughs> I think he didn't make it to, to like the really top in the poker world now, but uh, like that was that, I mean, you won't know him and it's not a good story for anyone, but I'll come up with the next one. Um, uh, that was like really my first one where I was like, is it that guy, is it that guy? Like, it's like two tables further, but not, was not on my table. And like, really, like I've seen him on like a YouTube clip or something. And it's so, where he played like, did he play like German high rollers? That was, yes, it that is, was on it TV. Is. Yeah, like a show that was on yeah. German TV. And, and also he always played against the best of the best in some weird mix yeah. games and stuff. And you know, his table selection was always questionable, nice. to uh, say the least, but super funny guy. <laughs> I, I never talked I to him I guess I never talked to him um, the second one was Australia we talked about that already where uh, Fedor was playing the 50k 100k 250k whatever and um, and I don't know what the thing was like I was in my hotel room and Fedor texted me um, and he was playing I think the 250k like something I was like crazy guys like that was clearly not my world and he was like fuck he dressed up a little and was like wearing a nice shirt but it was too cold so he asked me um, whether uh, I can bring him, uh, him a, a jumper and I was like yeah because his next break is like or it's not possible in the crown to go back to his room in, in like the break like yeah sure <laughs> not a big deal and I, I brought him a jumper and uh, then I well, he was like in the back seat of one of the tables and I couldn't reach him from the rail. So I had to pass one guy and that was Phil Ivey sitting there. I tried to like sitting there in his Phil Ivey way, like like that, chilling on his Phil chair. Away. And there is a there is a kind of famous picture or maybe it's just famous for me because I remember it so well. He had just cash under his um under his chair. It was like 50K in cash lying around there. I remember that too. Yeah. And that was like, I had to ask him, like, I don't know what I did. Did I ask him to pass the jumper to Fedor or to just like move a little bit? I can can like uh, uh, cross behind him. And I was like, that was like, well, what the fuck? There was this full Ivy guy. And it's like, just like must be like 50K in cash just under his chair. Like um, that was like uh, another. Yeah. Good one. It's a funny because uh, when I started to play live, I realized Famous poker players are not always good poker players. Yeah, no. <laughs> and you know, when you start, you, you just think, okay, he's a star. He's been around for years, so he must be good. He must be really good. And it's not always the case. Now, I remember, uh, like for me, always way more interesting were the, the meetups with uh, like celebrities, but non-poker. Right? I mean, those high rollers attract sometimes people that are just interesting because they made shitloads of money with other stuff. Um, one I remember, which was so funny, uh, was uh, Girard Piquet. I hope you know him. Yeah, sure. 
for for the female listeners, that's like the Shakira guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, he was playing the 25k one day, a single day high roller in Barcelona. Um, I think that year he had a red card in the match before that he had time. I don't know whether that was on purpose or not. Um, but he was he was seated on my direct left, and I mean I couldn't help myself. He was chilling there like Ivy a little, and he was watching his phone. And I mean I'm sitting there on his right, and I mean I know it's not the nicest thing in the world to do, but how could you not like have a look what he's looking at? And you guys can can have a guess what he did look. I think I, I told that in other uh, podcasts already, but it's like he did the same thing like all the high roller players do. He looked up the picture show on Poker News and he looked at all the pictures that they took of him, where I was like a celebrity who gets like the camera in his face every single moment. But I looked through those pictures to find a Tinder picture because it's like the one picture they took with a good camera of you, you know? So it's like, and he's looking, I don't know whether how or why or maybe it's like did it for the same reason maybe no. did it for the same reason but that was a funny one maybe their relationship isn't going that well <laughs> maybe <laughs> and another one that was just a mind-blowing experience in the bahamas where um uh, kevin hart got signed by by uh, poker stars like that year and he was going to the Bahamas to like, I don't know, I don't, he's super famous. So he's like number 25 or top 25 on Twitter and Instagram followers. And like, I think making most money actor in the world in 2017 and like supposed to be a comedian, but like the, the non funniest guy in my eyes in the world, <laughs> so like he's just like, he's just making He's just acting. He is not funny. He's just acting a, a, like a very, poorly scripted show like that's what what in german tv brings that on like afternoons like those really really poorly scripted bullshit shows like this like i don't know not my like 100 not my humor but um he was playing with us in a random tournament i don't know and uh i was on his table and then one in like in my eyes one of the biggest legends in the world comes in the room and he's a friend of Kevin and what and he, he he took a seat and like right behind Kevin to like chill a little with him and wait for Kevin to then have dinner together. And this was just in my eyes like a stupid clown playing with me here. But he is <laughs> apparently the big celebrity and behind seated is like one of my super legends. But he's kind of the, the whatever guy here. And that guy was Usain Bolt. And I'm like, oh, wow. like this was like my world turned around, right? It's, it's like Usain Bolt, they're in the Bahamas. I mean, he's from Jamaica, right? So it's not, older, but like people, people were asking freaking Kevin Hart for pictures. And I was like, this was the mo mo one moment where I was really starstruck, where I was like, I would have loved to have a picture with him. Like I, 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 I did running when I was younger and it's like, Usain Bolt is just freaking Usain Bolt and just really would have meant something to me, but I was too scared or something to, 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 to ask him. Mm, you should have, you know what you should have done? Playing with his super good buddy, Kevin Hart. Like, yeah. uh, that was you, world Stephen, turned upside down. 
You know what you should have done? You should have asked Kevin if he can take a picture of you yeah. together. <laughs> <laughs> that would, would have been the baller move. Yeah. Was, I mean, uh, we hung out a lot with uh, Maria Ho uh, at, at that point of time, obviously when she was together with Reiner. And, um, and she knew all those people. Like she still knows Kevin Hart from like before he was famous, I guess. And I don't know whether they even had dinner together with the whole crew there. And it would have been like such an easy spot to, to not connect, but to at least get that freaking picture. But um, yeah, like my world was, I was mind blown. That was not okay. <laughs> Shout out to all the Kevin Hart fans. You got a, yeah. you got a crappy humor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, that's such a funny story, man. <laughs> I remember my uh, one of the first celebrity, maybe not one of the first, but anyway, one one of the times which was a funny story for me um, was the first time I. So anyway, there was there was a game in Wynn, and I was driving back home from Bellagio, and I thought, well, it was on the way, so I might as well stop in Wynn. I go to Wynn. There's uh, one table in the high roller area. They don't really have a high roller area, but you know, whatever the high stakes area they have, and there's a seat open. So I, I take a seat, um, you know, and there's two recreational players that I know, like one businessman and one uh, soccer player at the table. So I thought, oh, that's a great game. And there's like two seats to my right. There's this uh, pretty tall black guy. Right. And everybody, like the floor manager, everybody keeps coming to him like, hey, Russ, do you need anything? Like, how are you doing today? You know, all the waiters, all the dealers who come to the table like, oh, Russ, good to see you. I'm like, who the fuck is this Russ guy? Turns out it was the Russell Westbrook. Mm -hmm. And obviously yeah, I've heard that he was there. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I'm such a noob. I, I don't watch NBA, you know, and everybody, because like I, at one point I realized everybody at my table are kind of starstruck and they're all like, oh, Russ, Russ, oh, nice hand, yeah. Russ. And I'm just like sitting there like, who the fuck, what's going like, on here? That's when I tell the Gerard Piqui story, that's, I, I be, that's why I said the Shakira thing, because so many people in the U.S. have no clue who that guy is, obviously. Exactly, right, yeah, yeah. It works the same way, right? We come yeah. from Europe, we see these guys. And I had another story with one of the, apparently one of the biggest stars in NHL, right? And I was basically, like we were playing every day for like a week and uh, I was making fun of him. He was a funny guy. So I was like, you know, we're, you know, busting each other's balls basically and just making funny jokes and, you know, silly comments, etc. Uh, you know, and just like kind of hanging out away from the table as well. At one point, there, there was one guy comes over and like, hey, how come you're friends with uh, with Phil? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. I mean, just met him recently. Super nice guy. I like him. It's like, yeah, but, you know, he just won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> like what? <laughs> what do you mean won the Stanley Cup? Yeah, yeah, he's like the biggest, <laughs> the biggest superstar in uh, in the U.S. You know, in the NHL. I was like, oh. Good to know. <laughs> no idea. I mean, like, I mean, it's like your story shows it as well. It's like best not to know, right? You're, you're just, you behave so differently, just like knowing stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why we, that's why we were hanging out sort of because for him, it was probably refreshing that there's somebody who actually is just, you know, thinks he's a nice guy and we have a nice conversation. And I, I have no clue about all the sports of all the, you know, fame, etc. that he has. So... 
Because it probably did it happen to you? Like, because there must have been a point where people start coming over and like, hey, Stefan, can we take a picture with you? Can we? Can you sign this? Did you experience that yourself? Yeah, I, I mean, just mainly pictures. Like when you walk in a, in a casino, mainly Vegas, right? At the time after Poker Masters, I think that was running obviously on Poker Go, but even there was like a highlight show on one of the big sports networks. Um, and then like, obviously people, people know your face and yeah, some, some ask for a picture or like, it's, it's usually it's good for me in the tournament. It's just like important to know whether those people know my face or not. Right. To, to, because the, the good old, Oh, he's really good. So he will have enough bluffs here. That call, like I, like in the whole WSOP last year, uh, I didn't need like in the, in the low stakes tournament, I didn't need to pull a single bluff because I get paid off like a hundred percent of the time. So that was like the strategy part behind it. But I don't know, like in the beginning I had like a, a small, not a bet, but like we were, we were counting people asking for photos and I was, uh, I was fighting Reiner Kempi, um, on that after uh, after I completely crushed him. So, <laughs> uh, but like, I remember the most, I rem the sickest moment or thing I remember is that when, um, just like walking next to Fedor through the Rio, from like the Rio legendary, what is it, Legion's Tower? Like where, where, where that was, uh, to like in the Rio poker room. And I was just like, I mean, at least 10 people, like every single time. And that, that's, I mean, for me, it was like always fun because it's like maybe one a day in Vegas. Maybe like if it's the final table of something big and people are like more aware what's happening there, maybe two, but that's it. Uh, that's like the one where it's like, oh, nice. I feel a little cool. Um, what I don't like is the, like the, the Phil story that, that, you, that you had when this, when like what people know about you changes uh, changes them the way they treat you. For example, when I meet new buddies in Vienna, well, let it be in, 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 in Brighton, um, we're like, okay, people take like this poker skill level or like the stakes you play uh, or anything like that into the real life, right? When like, when you get the feeling that people want to just be nice to you or want to like, it's like, on this on the, on the football field when it, you have the the feeling that what you say is right because kind of you are like more powerful in their eyes or whatever when, when you get that feeling that's what i really hate like i i we talked about that before i i enjoy it just like with my normal people they obviously don't give a shit they know me from like being a kid and uh, not for my poker success or anything this is like being normal and getting the the like the the, the uh, trash talk started and stuff like that. This is what I enjoy a lot. And this is sometimes when you meet new people that are like, that know you from poker, there is that certain vibe. And um, yeah, I don't mm. know whether you know what I'm talking about, but it's like, yeah, it's no, just no, fear. Not really because I'm not famous enough. So yeah. I've never had the problem. I mean, in a way, I think it's a good problem uh, to have that uh, somebody's starstruck, you know, when he sees you. But uh, it's like it's a door opener as well. I mean, there are lots of positive sides. It's not just like the one where I feel like this is I would enjoy it more when it was like when everyone is on the same level, just like when you feel it. Yeah, I mean, that's true, but it also means that you achieved something, you know, Yeah. people recognize you and, you know, think that you're a role model. Cool. In, in, the, in the poker world, <laughs> well, sure, 100%. <laughs> like, let's have more pizza and beer. 
Right, right. And wine probably as well, I hear, heard you. Because I watched uh, some of your podcast with uh, Joey Ingram. Yeah. He had a story of how, you know, the story started so beautifully. Like, yeah, I was grinding like till seven in the morning, blah, blah, blah. And then you kind of, yeah, and I drank a bottle of wine <laughs> while I was doing it. I was like, wait, what? Because, you know, at first I'm like, oh, yeah, you're enjoying the grind, you know, the good old days, uh, how, how you're like super committed to like grind it out the whole day, like 16 hours. <laughs> okay, the guy was just drunk. <laughs> so, so funny. A, a yeah. bottle of wine doesn't have anything to do with being drunk, right? True, so. true, true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Have, like over time. So, um, no, it's like, I don't know. It's like for me, it's about feeling good. Obviously, I don't want to be drunk when I'm playing. But like if I'm, if I take the afternoon off and my girlfriend goes to bed pretty early because she has to get up so early. And then, well, I still want to have a glass of wine when we like when we have a nice dinner or anything. And still, I think it's possible to still be in the grind afterwards. And I don't have to be on like the most strict diet, etc. For me, it's more important to feel well overall and then it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. there are other approaches to that and they see themselves or like poker players as like kind of athletes. And there's obviously some potential to to optimize things, but um, yeah, it's like <laughs> not not my part. Yeah. Do you have something like a favorite DJM story? It's like everyone asks that I, I don't have a DJM story. Not really. Like never. Not, not a single one, really. Like after all those years in poker. Yeah, I mean the. The, the most Dijon story is where it's not about me, like where one of our German friends got like kind of, um, uh, what is it, uh, addicted to, to blackjack in Vegas. And he like started losing so much, but he couldn't help himself. So um, we, we made the thing that uh, we didn't allow him to go in the casinos anymore. But like the only way to not do that is uh, we had to play blackjack against him. And uh, so it was like we were the bank. And I was like, I had to deal blackjack eight hours straight just to him. And we were just like counting, writing stuff down. And uh, but I was the bank. Um, oh, wow. Unfortunately, he was winning in that session, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> good for him. It's, it's like, and, and we even like made other rules that like the the um, the edge of the house is just like very 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 low it's like i don't know what what it is like 2.5 percent or up to four percent depends on like how how gto you play and we made it to like a rule change to like 0.5 percent that it's pretty basically flipping for an addicted buddy but like the good flipping not giving it all to the casino like i don't know wow <laughs> that's like, a pretty we, sick story. We, we decided how high he's allowed to play so it's like we kept it kind of low-ish not like the we didn't allow him to ditch it off like last hand all in whatever which would have happened always in the casino. Mm-hmm. And uh, what about free drinks? Uh, yeah, we 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 well it was in um, Stefan's and Reiner's flat, so uh, yeah, we, uh, free drinks were on them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, no reward card though. Oh uh, well. Yeah. But I, I was like always, sometimes I was playing like with the others just to have the last two drinks, a little blackjack, but it's not like just because I could afford it, it doesn't give me anything. I know exactly how the game works. 
it's like one Wiki, Wikipedia article you need to read to play perfectly. And um, it's just like, oh, I make a minus EV bet. I look how it ends up like that. It, something like that does not give me anything. And it's like, I, I go, I'm one of those idiots who just sit there and play the minimum, uh, like the minimum bet to participate and get the drinks. Yeah. It's like, for me, there's no thrill about the money side of it because it's, it's not luck. It's just like, I know how it works. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. Like, it's not different whether I put five bucks there or a hundred for me. So like, it's just losing more. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel the same way, especially slots. It's just, you know, pushing I never played slots so a single time. You know, you, you don't have to think about anything. It's just, I remember one night, maybe, I mean, that's not a real teaching story, but this was like a fun night for sure. It was uh, one guy from my hometown. He's uh, working for like uh, the car industry and they had like uh, test drives in the desert next to Vegas or around Vegas. And he asked me whether I'm around. It was like 10th of July or something. So for sure I have been in Vegas. It was him and three colleagues. They wanted to visit me in Vegas and like they asked me to give them like a casino night out to like tell them where to go. And I'm like, obviously I have no clue. So we ended up in like a random casino. I think we have even been in the first, the one where they have like, uh, like what's it called? Like lots of girl, a lot of girls dancing around there. Um, um, I don't know which one it was, but, and they wanted to try all the table games. So I told them roulette is boring. I think we played that for five minutes just to have a look. And then one guy obviously got addicted to craps, but I don't like that. I never won there. Even like we always, Reiner wanted always to go there. Um, and like, I always, it's like, I don't know. We always put a hundred down there, which was like, why so much? I, I had that feeling already and it was always gone. And uh, I hate that game. It's stupid. I never was one of those heaters. Why? Like, which must be the reason for, for people loving it. I was always into blackjack. So, uh, because like 21 was my favorite movie back then. And um, so I, I took them to blackjack and I think, okay, for them, we play a little, like I had like 200 on the table or something. And, uh, and like, it was so interesting to like, just see their different characters. My friend was like, okay, maybe I try once, <laughs> mm, um, but I know I'm losing here. And um, yeah, let's, I'll, I'll watch what you do first. And then I try. Okay, and the, so even there was there was like a maniac. There was the nit. There was like right. The, there was the super nit. <laughs> was like, oh great, you guys play and I can drink. I mean, he was even counting the beers and and like writing down the money he saved. Right. So it's like that. Uh, and he like, I mean, for me playing, he got. I mean, when you buy a beer in the casino, it's like eleven bucks or so. So he made. I don't know, eighty-eight bucks or so that night by drinking eight beers because I was playing and he loved it. And then there was the maniac who was like, wait, are you guys staying here? I got to try that other table game there that I've seen. I got to try all of them. Um, and then he got stuck there for like an hour and then he came back. And then, well, I caught a heater obviously on blackjack. Uh, that was that was important for the whole whole night. And um, I, I think two, I lost 200. Then I reloaded 300 because you got you to chase obviously. And then I I, um, I got up to like 1.5k or so, and then I don't know. We were having a gazillion beers already, uh, and and oh, I needed to pee so badly, and um, I was like, yeah, just take you can take my seat, you play, 
and like his eyes, like he had like one and a half K in front of him and he was allowed to play. And like I told him, okay, until I'm back, just go with the like, I gave him a cap to not like everything on one bet or something like that now. And, uh, but he was like enjoying it. So the maniac in him just, just was insane to watch. And then I came back and he didn't want to get up. Like he wanted, like, it was like, it was clear. No, like no way I could play there. He was, he was in the zone. It was, things were going well. And then he, I think he was joking around with like all the stacks of chips we were having and like, like the, the 25s, one stack of 25. So he's like faking out 500, whether he can bet 500 at once. He has like a good feeling. And like, I gave him the yes, obviously. I mean, it was about a fun night out. It was like, okay, I mean, we can do the math. What does that $500 bet cost us right there, right now? I mean, it's like, it's okay. Um, it's not, but it was lots of fun. <laughs> and uh, well, then we obviously binged that one and he was just going more and more crazy. And uh we 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 left with a with a big win and it was like the perfect Vegas night out. So um, okay, not followed up by a strip club, which would have been the perfect Vegas night out for for others maybe, but uh, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, oh, no wow. no real Legion stories from me. <laughs> oh well. Um, anyway, we actually missed a lot of questions in the chat, but I think guys, we're not gonna be able to cover everything today. Because, uh, you know, actually, I just realized we, we're eating into Arthur's time. Arthur is usually streaming 8 p.m. every day. And uh, sorry, <laughs> so we're 20 <laughs> minutes over his time. But you stick around. Uh, he's going to be right after us, uh, I think. And um, yeah, do we even want to start talking about what do you think about the drama between Dominic and Ben CB? Is it uh, a long topic? Do we want to get into it right now? Uh, I, I hear about that for the first time. I just I can just guess that there's some raise your edge DTO poker that they have some beef, but I I, I have no information at all. Me neither. I hear it for the first time. I got no clue. So, okay, that's sorted. Then we answered the question. What do we think? Yeah. We have no clue. What are you talking about? What is the drama? So, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, well, Stefan, what, what's actually like for you now? Like a lot has changed in life, right? You've moved to back to Germany, a new situation, new plans, less travel, traveling for football, you know, watching the, the game semifinals, et cetera, et cetera. Super exciting stuff. Like what's your plan now? What, what do you see that you're going towards? Um, actually, it's just getting those routines started uh right now I, I have that great habit to uh of always being injured when moving to a new place all right so uh yeah right now i'm, I'm injured as well and can't do any sports so um yeah i want to get over that and then really get that life started that i'm a little dreaming of right like still improve at at a cash gang to be there in a certain state that I maybe had like 215 again to pretty much choose what I play and um, and make my solid income on like pretty much 24 seven anytime I want or feel like playing. And um, it's it's still like some, some hard work I need to put in. And then the surroundings, it's like uh, right now, I only know the friends of my girlfriend in that city here but my hometown and, and Toby, obviously, and Toby's parents and Toby's wife 
And soon Toby's and soon other Toby's friends uh, because I yeah. go to his soccer club. And um, yeah, like I want to get that that kind. I need to get a rhythm in. Like my friends are like one hour away, which is like okay to go there, but you don't want to go there for like a random training in the afternoon, right? So I want to get some system in there to just lead kind of a normal life where, where I'm just like happy with how everything is going. Uh, that's pretty much my, my main task right now. So it's still, if I would need to write down goals, it's, uh, it's like get to like, a, like get better at, at cash game to get to a certain level, a level I'm, I'm, I'm happy with to then like go on a regular grind. Right now I'm really doing lots of stuff. So um, I want to, get there more into that I'm, I'm good enough now to just go for the still working on it but just a regular grind pretty much and then i want to get i'm in the worst shape of my life for sure because the three last times i played football i got injured every single time which um like is now pretty much almost half a year no sports for me which is like uh yeah i've always done so much so this is really um, destroying my soul a little uh, so I want to get there in a better shape as well and then yeah get like a, a normal life started a little more here right you know your whole journey is just such a beautiful story that people really need to hear actually because you know you basically because you, you've started from you know without binking any magic you know you just started from like nl2 or whatever you know and you you grinded up you you found a group of people that motivated you that pushed you towards bigger goals you achieved visible high success in a in a high high roller community uh, you know and just you know people were asking for a picture of you for god's sake you know when you're walking through <laughs> through rio you know and at the same time, you never lost kind of your focus on what's important to you and how to make your life enjoyable, you know. And it's such a such a great story to to hear, you know, because I think a lot of people who see, especially the guys in you know with the visible success in the high roller thing, you know, they just have a specific idea. Okay, that person is you know probably his life looks like this. You know, and it's it's great that, you know, people can see your sort of true self, you know, away from all the cameras, away from all the, you know, the bling bling of, of those huge events, you know, because it, it, you know, in the end of the day, we all just are trying to find how to make our lives more enjoyable for ourselves, you know, and many times it's not about the money anymore. Once you reach a specific amount of money that you're happy with, like this extra bit of money is not that important anymore other things take take priority for some people it happens sooner for some people it maybe never happens but you know it's i think it's so so cool for people to see because even if we think about it like from your group you know the everybody seems to start either finding a way to go into business away from poker away from the scene you know and there's probably going to be a new group of people who are going to be shining in all these high roller events etc so you know to see your your story out there it might be quite inspiring for a lot of people who actually want to achieve success in poker um yeah so yeah thanks thanks so much for doing this man i i really really liked our conversation today thank you though like i'm almost turning red like that was a nice story the way you told it i like it a lot but it but, is your uh, story i mean 
Yeah, well, yeah. It is your just, story. Uh, you, you put it in nice words, so. Uh, yeah, because, you know, also, like, the fact of, you know, staying humble and not having your ego kind of dictate what, what you think. Because, like, all of the stories that you told about, you know, you want to play the mistakes to prove to yourself that you're still good. You're, you're always question like even the story about, you know, the guy made two zero percent moves with the solver. You consider that, hey, maybe he's doing something right. I need to check it out. Like what is going on here? You know, I think as an approach to life in general, that's such a great approach because you, you stay humble and you stay hardworking and you know what it takes to achieve success, you know? And there's time and place for people for people like Fedor, who's going to just go out and say, hey, everybody sucks. We can beat them. We need these people in our life as well, because, you know, without without him, you might not take a chance on these high rollers, you know, because just because, you know, you, you wouldn't think like, OK, we should go there. We're going to beat everybody. So it comes back again to, you know, how important a group of people that surrounds you is for you, for everyone. So yeah, and all you guys, by the way, so we're going to have the recording of this of this episode on YouTube uh, in about a week and a half. You can check it out on uh, Runchex Poker. I know Stefan struggled to find it himself when Toby, <laughs> Toby tried <laughs> to point him to it, but uh, you can find us there. We're going to also uh, post all the links to Stefan's stuff, like your Twitter. You're still pretty active on Twitter, are you? Or I'm reading. I'm... I will start something again. So um, on pretty much on, on Instagram, but um, yeah, like I, I did not share anything like during move, like when I was moving places and playing less, I was like more active when I was playing the tournaments. Um, I will be a little more active and, but with a, with a new Instagram account that is not out there yet, um, mm. post a little more there about the, the journey since I, I'm thinking about doing a little coaching stuff as well to start something there. And, um, yeah, but that's, that's not a thing, um, for now, maybe like in one month or so. Okay. And, um, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> All right. You let us know. We can update the, the links in the description. So whenever you guys are watching the recording, then you might see this, the new stuff out there, the links to it. Otherwise, just follow Stefan on Twitter. Uh, it's the Run Goose Run, right? Was it? Yep. And um, yeah. And make sure just to, to follow No Limit Gaming. That would be would be nice. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, Stefan nice might be. Well. Yeah, and Stefan might be streaming again there. So keep an eye on that because his streams are super entertaining uh, and useful. Not only entertaining, you actually learn something along the way. So, yeah. Anything else? Anything you guys want to add today? I think that was great. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Stefan, Toby, guys, thank you so much. Uh, enjoy your beer or whatever you're going to go for now. And, uh, you know, it's been <laughs> such a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely, definitely want to hear about, you know, uh, the stuff that you're planning, Stefan, with your the coaching and everything. So, let me know and uh, I would be really happy to share with other people, you know, so they can find it. Because, um, yeah, super, super nice that you're sharing your story and, you know, your your ideas, your experience with the world out there. I think a lot of people need to hear this stuff. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. 
If you'd like to get a regular email from me personally, where I share my key takeaways from each latest episode, go to runchexpodcast.com and subscribe to my newsletter. And of course, I would really appreciate if you subscribe to my channel on YouTube and rate my podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or any other platform where you normally listen to your podcasts. This really helps.